Wardcast episode 152. Go! Go! I'm Del Vento, and today I'm rejoined by Will Blanton. What's up? What's up? And Alex Damrath. Hi. Hey. Alex drove over here I, in his <laughs> newly required car. Hey. So we don't we don't have to get into this. We don't have to get into how your car got towed. So no, you made it 40 minutes later than. Yeah, and we move the time stamp <laughs> up for this recording because it's your birthday. And is that too? Yay. Happy birthday! It's a whole lot happening. Wait, actually, someone, someone, uh, someone introduced me to. I mean, obviously these exist before, but someone introduced me to a very nicely designed air horn um, app. Oh, good. There you go. Oh, but there, there's a couple other sounds you can use, like. Uh, oh, that's good. Go. Happy birthday! You're gonna use that a lot. <laughs> Alex's car got towed. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if any of that picked up. <laughs> You'll find out, I guess. Or yeah. or just like throw it in. Just replace it all with mountain lion screams. Yeah. Go on some free stock sound effect <laughs> websites and That this stuff's always such a pain. <laughs> Trying to find good yeah. free mm. audio. Oh, oh yeah, trust me. I, I like working on audio in my games because it's like one of the <laughs> few things you can do like really bumps it up to the next level. It's so hard to find things to work on when it comes to audio. Yeah. <sighs> Jeez. Or like raw material to work with. Yeah, I'm sure that all of us have experienced that uh, that struggle in a game jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd think there'd be lots of free, uh, really high quality chicken sounds, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> I I think uh, what like at least the last two years or so, I keep having to opt out of audio if I do compo, just because I'm not making any of my audio. Yeah, I'm I'm finding it. I'm I'm sort of rehashing it. I mean, I guess Pizza Matic was mostly all original. What'd you make that in? Uh, the game or the music? The audio. The bfxr for the sound effects and then um the music was i think i told you guys i like found a youtube video of like really cheesy italian restaurant music uh-huh. <laughs> so i downloaded that and like if you download an mp3 from youtube you're already getting some level of bit crush and then i threw it into like three separate bit crushers after that <laughs> that's all right so it just like came that. out super crappy and i was like it's perfect it's everything i wanted to be yeah yeah so we're back um back from pax west i'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> dylan's actually falling asleep in front of his mic right now i just there was that was a lot of traveling i just did i'm still not I think the jet lag this time around was better because I didn't spend a whole week on the West Coast. But yeah, I flew back on Tuesday and got back in like six o'clock in the evening on Tuesday after PAX West. And I was like, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get a full night of sleep and I'm, I'm going to be right as rain. I'm going to be ready to go to work <laughs> tomorrow. And I woke up. I went to bed at like 830, woke up at like six or something. And I felt fine. And then, like, an hour and a half later, I was like, ah, I'm going back to bed. (laughs) I'm feeling drowsy just thinking about that. Yeah. (laughs) About cross-continental travel. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, PAX West was fun, guys. I hear. Yeah. Um, Will, I heard you listen to the panel. I really yeah. appreciate it. It was a great panel. Uh, if, if any listeners haven't heard it already, just go back and listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of fun hanging out with Khalif, Felix, and, and Austin. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed getting a lot of shit about talking about golf so much. <laughs> um, there's so many good golf games. There's a lot. And I didn't even get to try the Fortnite mini golf that they made. Kind of bummed out about that. We were planning an intervention, but uh, it just happened without us. So. <laughs> there really is like a, a sudden influx of like golf indie games coming out. I'm just telling you, Golf just, Story is a great game. Yeah, Golf Story is good. <laughs> what the golf is happening. Golf. Uh, I don't. I guess this only sort of slightly counts, but Pool Party Panic kind of fits into the similar genre yeah 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 um but using golf as like a recurring theme i'm okay with it yeah it's it's coming up more often than you'd expect i mean it's no tennis no tennis yeah. <laughs> golf golf's pretty good in video game form in real life can't stand god can't stand golf have i mean you played golf i've played the, the miniaturized version of golf <laughs> does that count it's gotta have really, windmills i want to see have giant plastic skeletons real golf's all about at least once <laughs> in my life i mean i'd be willing to try it it's just from the outside looking in yeah it doesn't look too appetizing yeah definitely just just too many like w- rich white guys standing around talking oil or whatever, talking it, oil. whatever it is they do <laughs> alex thinks like oil baron is still like <laughs> a premier entrepreneurial career in I'm, 2018 i mean <laughs> in texas it is <laughs> probably maybe i've in, i'm pretty sure everyone in texas owns a ranch yeah because i saw harris foster community manager at finji tweet out once uh that he was he's from Houston? Yeah. Okay. Um, but he lives in Austin and he went to go visit his parents on their ranch back in Houston. <laughs> huh? And I'm pretty sure just everyone in Texas owns a ranch. That's pretty wild. Like a large track of land. I think as soon as you cross the state border, they hand you like a ten gallon hat. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like, a deed to right. at least like ten acres. Exactly. It's like in Alaska, they just give you like five grand. Right. Second you drive. How many in. gallons are in a ten gallon hat? Three. That's fucking bullshit. (laughs) False advertising right there. (laughs) Me and you got beef, Texas. (laughs) And that's why. Yeah. People were selling me on these hats. Just the hats. Just the hats. Everything else is fine. You're doing a great job. Totally great. Really love it. (laughs) I hear you have the biggest of everything here. (laughs) But not hats. Not hats. hats. (laughs) Uh, Vote Beto O'Rourke for Senate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> everyone seems super excited about Beto it's making me excited about Beto I Beto you <laughs> anyways so you have some pack stories I hear yes um let me pull out my my show notes because I, I wrote some down um uh so there is uh there is uh this story God damn it. I keep trying to swipe the thing and it just makes me tap the... Why would you make a like circular button in the middle of the screen if tapping anywhere on the screen still activates the noise? Mm. Um, yeah, so PAX West was fine. I kind of talked about all the games I played before the panel, which Friday was just like a mad dash running around saying hi to everyone and then maybe playing some games. Uh, so like What the Golf, I didn't even play there. I played at GDC and it was like the same exact demo. Yeah. Um, which I know because I walked by it later 
and the guy <laughs> was on the super hot level, so I know it's the same demo. I'm just confident nice. there, guys. Um, but I walked around, played some other stuff, some other things happened. Uh, I just kind of like randomly wrote down some stuff. Um, first off, I flew out there and I watched Ready Player One on the plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is already like... So United does this weird thing where they have the t- TVs on the back of the seat. Mm-hmm. And you can watch the movie there, but you have to pay for it to watch it on the screen. So like some airlines, you can just watch how, the movie for free, right? How much do they charge? I don't I didn't bother checking. Oh, it was okay. probably like five bucks or something. All right. So I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. But if you have the United app installed and you connect to the United Wi-Fi on the plane, you can stream it to your phone or tablet for free. Oh, no idea right. why they make that distinction. My headphones broke. Oh. On the way to Seattle. So <laughs> only one ear was working. Only one earbud. Oh, geez. But the other earbud would work if I jostled the cable and hold it, held yeah, it in the yeah, right way. Yeah. So I was doing this. I was like juggling my hand and like making sure. <laughs> so if like I turned my head to the right and like went to talk to the flight attendant or something, it would cut out again. But as soon as I turned my head back to its like default position, it would cut back on. So I was doing just this weird aerobatics of like trying to make sure the audio in my right ear would stay because otherwise <laughs> I couldn't really hear the, the movie. But I was trying to fucking listen to Ready Player One. So it was a lot of effort for this movie that to be quite frank, is it very good? Yeah. No surprises there. Yeah. yeah. That movie. It's just, it's it's so nice to have a movie where you can see everything, everything coming once in a while. Yeah. Know? Where the entire <laughs> plot is just so laid out in front of you. And it's just, you know, you have a nice relaxing time. You have to work too hard. And, and the plot's like, <laughs> hey, remember this, the movie? What's yeah. weird is what's weird to me is that Steven Spielberg did it. Why wouldn't he? Well, I mean, he was like responsible for like half the properties in that movie. So right, so you'd think that he'd be able to handle it, okay? <laughs> well, compared to the book, I think he handled it as well as he could. Yeah, like it's not like so in the book they have all these passages where it's like a single page of just like vomiting 80s references yeah the book is really just like a a documentary on video games and and culture from that era but they didn't want to write it as like a it's a documentary on sad fandom is what it is kind of yeah (laughs) it's like it's like the epitome of like hey what if i just took my entire personality and like placed all the value of my self-worth into what references i knew I remember reading it and enjoying it kind of for what it was, just getting to sort of read about Atari trivia. Well, I'm and, sure it's a fun popcorn yeah, movie. Yeah, like, like that's definitely what it is. And, and, and I sort of respected it for like, oh, cool, it's going to like bring some of that, I guess, more into the public eye. Uh, the movie doesn't do any of that. It, it it sort of kind of does. Well, there's that one scene where like the main dude and the love interest are like just regurgitating factoids about the the creator back to one another. Yeah. It's like, what was his favorite Spielberg movie or whatever? What is his favorite like 80s cartoon? And Mm -hmm. I was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) I will say that shining bit is done very well. Just like the CGI. I was like on a, on a craft level on a technical level. Like that entire scene was like, whoa, are they actually in the set? (laughs) It was interesting. Yeah. Um, But it was still like another thing of like, like the entire the entire value of this movie is based on 
how many of these other things you've consumed these other better things right like, yeah i just like like the value in having new people create stuff is so you can have new creations and hopefully like you know fandom or whatever you know joy can be derived from that and you really and you can and you have a new thing to like add to your lexicon or that your library of things you really enjoy and have those as touch points in your life right but like if you enjoy this 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 book or this movie if like you're in like an ultra super mega fan of this thing you're not really a fan of anything like you're just a fan of these other things yeah and just this thing just made this kind of slurry for you to consume that said, I mean, there's still like some, I don't know, fun, kooky parts. It's just, it, it was weird. It was yeah. a weird thing made even weirder by them trying to modernize a lot of the references. So like Tracer from Overwatch is in there and there's like eight Master Chiefs at one point fighting like <laughs> a fucking Mecha Godzilla, and they make references to Twitch at one point. It's like, yeah, right. I used to watch your Twitch stream. I'm like, what? It's a lot of advertisement. Yeah. For one thing. Um, um I, I found like like I think my two biggest gripes and one I think like all of you will will definitely get in on this but like how has that first secret not been discovered for four oh, years oh yeah how the fuck did no one figure that in out in a world where PT was like cracked in less than twenty four hours <laughs> yeah no one figured out to drive backwards right. Like, if it was, like, a super convoluted Especially mystery. Especially when the character figures out the answer by going to the museum, finding that one bit, and the creator looks at the camera and says, wouldn't it be cool if you could drive backwards, like, with several winks in between every word, you know? <laughs> yes. I was, like, oh, my God. Like, the only, <laughs> the only puzzle-based thing that I've ever seen that has taken, like, a long track of time at least in my memory is like the fez thing and even that was cracked in a couple weeks wasn't it yeah i think like, that took a little bit longer oh did it was it? yeah by the time they translated the that secret whole, language yeah yeah i thought that took a little while maybe but it like at, at the very least it took longer than a day right yeah and even then you know phil fish had to create a whole vocabulary <laughs> and language mm -hmm. and then meticulously place little hints to it everywhere you asking a gamer to find an easter egg well first of all you told everyone there's an easter egg so they're gonna do fucking everything in their power to find it like sure <laughs> the there... only way to sort of add longevity to it is to not give any hint at all right but instead like that's the whole point of this game like, practically even if no one like went into those archives and watched that exchange yeah that hints at what you have to do people have brute forced it you think everyone's just gonna drive straight <laughs> on the track every single time though right. everyone's gonna drive in every single direction try every sort of yeah. possibility crash through the wall yeah like, yeah it, it god i think i guess the if you want to use the movie's logic to explain why they didn't do that it's because when you zero out which is their They're lexicon for dying, dying right. when you lose all your currency so there'd be a lot of fear also like one of the bad guys main henchmen is played by tj miller yeah and it's like super <laughs> obvious and awkward because he's like this huge like badass dude and he has like a skull for a chest or whatever and like and this is all like their cg avatars right but and but his face they like mo-capped his face so it you can it's it's tj miller's same exact like teeth and smile and, and <laughs> facial hair and whatever 
Um, and then some other features they changed. Wasn't he like a blue demon kind of looking guy? Yeah, but he still had some. He had very similar facial features huh. to to him. I, don't I know did if not actually blue. note that. He had I like mean, a dark gray kind of skin tone with like a cloak, a hooded cloak, and on his head all the time and stuff. It was just it was weird because like, I mean, I I love T J Miller. I just for some reason didn't. T J Miller's got some kind of gross shit going on. But. Oh yeah, I mean, I well, did you hear a parent? I. I remember like hearing about the whole bomb threat thing and like, God damn it, TJ. But like someone pointed out that apparently like a year ago he had like a massive head injury. Oh really? And since then has been like really erratic apparently. Huh. Like something's Well, I was talking about his sexual harassment or assault accusations. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I that's also gross. But yeah. Yeah. All right. The um but yeah, it was just very it was very weird. Because like it's TJ Miller's brand of humor in the middle of the semi like serious scene like the humor plays better as it as you see that character more and more but at the very beginning i'm like okay bad guys are gonna talk and they're gonna be all like gruff and they're talking in the virtual world and there's just tj miller being like his like, dumb ass up, dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like what the fuck is happening in this movie yeah. so it wasn't terribly great and i don't know i watched solo on the way back so that's I, yeah. it's okay movie yeah i um, like solo i don't like it as much as rogue one I, it's not Rogue One, but it's it's better than Episode Eight. Episode <laughs> any of them. <laughs> I uh, definitely this the Star Wars stories are like coming up to be like okay, I'm really excited for these when they come out now. So what's weird is that I started watching that movie starting at the last heist, right? So from like when they are going to when they're going to Kessel, mm. when they're doing the Kessel Run. Right. In case right. you've heard of that reference. Well, um, that's another thing that bothered me about this movie. It's like they shoehorned like every backstory reference into this thing. It's like, how did I meet Chewbacca? Hey, did Han shoot first? Hey, is the Kessel Run? <laughs> hey, the dice and the Millennium Falcon. I didn't remember the dice at all. Oh, they reference it in the new. Well, no, I, I mean, like, I don't. I, I remember the dice with them from this. the beginning. As he's like driving around. I remember seeing Solo, seeing mm-hmm. those dice, and like, oh, that's cool. Wonder what that's about. And supposedly they were in the original trilogy. And They're in I the original trilogy. Never saw them. And they okay. are in episode. What's the newest one? Eight, nine, or seven? Uh, interesting. Okay. What, what's the Last Jedi? It was right. in Last Jedi. Okay. And, the last one. And Luke <laughs> gave it to to Leia, um, because Luke had him. Oh, I missed that. All right, but in. So I I so I, I so on the flight back I was on United again. And I wasn't going to watch anything because my headphones had completely broken at that point. And I was like, I don't really care. Or actually, no, I, I still use them. But I don't know. Something happened. I was just like, I don't care about watching a movie on my phone. Like, it's not that great. Um, and then the intercom chimes in and one of the flight attendants is like, hey, we can't get the credit card purchases working. So we turned on all the movies and they're free to watch now. And I'm like, sweet. I'm going to watch some solo. <laughs> nice. Um, so I started from the very, from the last like big scene onwards. So like the last, okay. when they start the last heist and I watched that okay. and I watched to the end and then I started over and that movie's not very long. The movie's like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's a pretty short movie. It's not bad. Um, no, it was just, it was yeah. weird because I was like, okay, you, they have basically the final heist theme mm-hmm. scene. Well, going from the beginning, they have like his intro scene. Then they jump forward a couple of years they have the build up to the first heist. They have the first heist that they fuck up. And then they have the interlude between the first and the second heist. And then they have the final heist. And mm-hmm. then there's some like epilogue stuff. And like and that's the whole movie. And it was cool. 
I think Donald Glover knocked it out of the fucking park as Lando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It was he fun. Rolled. I kept uh, I started jumping between that and Infinity War. I like so, rewatched the end of Infinity War again. I was like, huh, yeah, it's still good. Hey, sorry everyone if I spoiled this movie for you. Yeah. Just playing on this chair TV. Yeah. It was oh jeez. Um man, how about that that character reveal in Solo? Yeah, what the fuck? So I thought that was really, really cool just because that's like a huge risk for Disney, seeing as like not a lot. I'd say you could divide the Star Wars fan base pretty easily between those who know a lot of like the extra canon and those who don't. Mm -hmm. And for Disney to say like, yeah, we're going to take into account like, you know, we're going to be fine with possibly splitting the fan base so much and making them go like, ah, what the hell is this? And I, I, I walked out of the theater kind of beaming from that. I was like, oh, hey, that was an interesting decision. I think what bothered me from that... And have you seen the movie, Will? Yeah. Okay, well, then we'll just spoil it. Yeah. So at the very end, they show Darth Maul. Right. And like, I guess he has mechanized legs or something. He does. The Do, do they show his mechanized legs? Yeah, because he gets up a little bit and you hear him like... You can, yeah, uh, you can hear the creaking and you can see like a little flash of Yeah, of there's metal. like steam yeah. or something shoots out of him. Right. What bothers me about that is that just that's such a shoehorned approach to hinting at a sequel especially mm. in a world where they feel not very confident in making a solo sequel i um, felt really really bad that that it came out had really poor numbers and kind of was so far has shelved the obi-wan sequel and i'm pretty sure and that the was a fat one and i'm pretty sure that was meant to lead into the obi-wan thing because that's like obi-wan's greatest nemesis like that yeah that would have been cool i i i was started i walked out of solo feeling like really excited that we might get some more obi-wan and maul stories because i don't know my favorite part of star wars is never the wars but like the you know magic samurai Mm -hmm. in space um (laughs) so i was like looking forward to more jedi stuff and and sif stuff and then like i I would watch that movie yeah especially if they brought back uh ewan mcgregor i watched the fuck out of that yeah and then mcgregor like and he's weighing it up on fucking Tatooine. I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> and he's said he's absolutely down to do it. Like every single time it's brought up to me, he's like, yeah, absolutely. Totally. I would 100% do it. They just haven't come to me yet. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Disney treats that stuff like they tr- trust the Marvel stuff. They just have them sign an NDA and sign other rights away. Maybe so they just have someone yeah. new play Darth Maul? No, it's the uh, same guy as last time. Is it? Yeah. Because he's not I mean, like a great part, right? He's a pretty bad right. actor. Well, is he really? In, okay, so in episode one, he was the stunt. He was the stunt coordinator. In Phantom Menace, it was like the guy who trained the rest of the actors. Really? Yeah, he was like and, just super good at jumping around. Real. And nice. he was voiced by um someone else. Uh, oh but, really? Uh, Ray Parker, the stunt coordinator, uh, grew up, kind of grew into acting from that role. Oh, cool. That's he cool. Had a small role in Guardians of the Galaxy one. Who do you play? He's the guy. This is a small scene uh, between him and John C. Riley. Uh, they're they're the oh, guards. Oh, that yeah. He's the, the one who says, "What a bunch of a holes!" Okay. Like he's flying the ship and dies later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's Ray Park, and uh, yeah, he's coming back. Like he's actually going to be fully like voicing and playing Darth Maul. Well, he did in he Solo, might, and, he and hopefully might be in like a future. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would like. And voiced him in the in the animated series, which is what gives you the whole story of how he came back. Well, I know that like the first uh, episode one, I like rewatch it not too recently, but I, it struck me as how much 
weight they wanted to give Darth Maul and how much just didn't feel like was there. Mm. Well, he's like that silent, like yeah, but like angry presence. I mean, I, I think that the character itself menace. isn't really an oh, issue. I think that like the maybe the acting and the cinematography just didn't. Yes, he never yeah. felt scary to sure. me. Yes. Oh, even yeah. like when I first watched it or whatever, because it was absolutely a children's movie. Yeah. I mean, it was. Like, but, I mean, I was a kid, so Solo, it was a little intimidating. In to me. Solo, though, I felt like that cameo. I was like, oh shit, I care about Darth Maul right now. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I've never been like I, I've watched a little bit of the. Cartoons or I'm, whatever. I'm, I'm not about to be one of those Star Wars fans who tells people who've like seen just the movies to go watch Clone Wars, but Clone Wars is really good. Like the CG Clone Wars. Uh, I, the 2D ones way better. Yeah, but the CG ones got like grew into its own thing and and started to tell some pretty serious stories that fit very well into the lore. Mm-hmm. And so the arc where Darth Maul comes back and you sort of learn how he comes back. And and what he does with his newfound lease on life, uh, which makes it sound like a really fun, you know, or, you know, comedy adventure. With <laughs> Darth Maul's got a new lease on life, <laughs> and he's going out and making the most of it. <laughs> um, um, Tuesdays on CBS. Yeah, <laughs> the, I'm glad they address it at least somewhere. Yeah, that what happened to him? Because I was like, dude, you were cut in half and thrown down a fucking hole. Like <laughs> to to not spoil too much, I found it really cool that he basically because you know it's it's magic. There's lots of magic in Star Wars. Essentially, you know, the Sith get their power from hate. Um, Darth Maul is so absolutely fucking livid that he lost to a freaking Padawan that he essentially keeps himself alive through his own anger and hatred towards Obi Wan. Like he's, they find him essentially writhing in a hole, like like a cave made out of scrap, and he's just like screaming constantly until they like drag him out of there, and they do some. There's there's like witches on his home planet that like bring his mind back from the brink, but yeah, that's that's a lot of Star Wars talk that kind of interrupted all of your packs talk. That's but. fine, <laughs> not not a big deal. All right, uh, what cool happened? God, the Touch ID does not recognize your fingerprint. Shut up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I walked around a bunch, played some 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 stuff. <laughs> uh, let me just go through some of the stuff. So, all right. So, thank you, Anya Anya Combs of Kickstarter. Uh, we had her on recently. She uh, was awesome. We hung out a bunch. Um, so, funny thing, if you know a lot of devs at PAX, you can't really hang out with them during the day because, lo and behold, they're running their booths. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Anya and I walked around a bunch um and tried a bunch of different things we we were walking through so so the pa- pax west is weird right so pax east is like a big box right boston convention center is just a large rectangle that everything's in there's just a giant single show floor and everything goes in there and then there are tiered there are different floors on the perimeter that house all the panel rooms um and the concert hall is like on the very top of the of the building um, on its own separate floor by itself. Um, so it's, it's relatively easy to navigate. Like, you you know, everything's in the same place. Um, you know where all the panels are. They're all on the outside. Um, pretty, pretty easy to get around. PAX West, the convention center first off, the first three floors are like a fucking mall. Like, no joke, like, long hallways with, with stores 
or in rooms on the side and there's like walkways over top on the second and third floors and they all like look down like mezzanines into into the bottom floor like an atrium kind of look and there's yeah. elevators or escalators going up each one it was fucking weird and that's where they throw all the tabletop shit and there's always like a a, a group play jackbox mm. like game going on and that was all there and then you take an escalator up to the fourth floor which is all the triple a stuff and like larger indie stuff yeah so like uh pax rising was there which is pax's like indie showcase or one of pax's indie showcase because yeah. they have pax rising and then they have like the tabletop showcase and then they have pax 10 um which is only at west whereas pax rising is at every pax and then indie mega booths there and then nintendo square all, all the big shits there and then you skip the fifth floor because there's absolutely nothing like literally the fit the escalator to the fifth floor is like a corner <laughs> And it's just like probably a bunch of like executive meeting rooms and stuff. But there's like literally there's no open space. It's just like a hallway that they just have a door closed and they have like a funny looking sign that says 404 forbidden. Like can't go down here. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I want a booth right in front of that sign. People <laughs> have to come see me. As just they set go it up to the fifth floor. That's yeah. smart. <laughs> um, and then you take the escalator back up to the sixth floor, which is like all the indie stuff. Um, and, and, and more than that, but like it's a lot of indies and a lot of like random shops and stuff. So, like, I think Fan Gamer is up there. Um, and then Finji Vlambeer is up there. The PAX, PAX 10 is up there. Um, fellow Travelers up there. A bunch of New Blood is actually a part of uh, uh, Playground now. Playground was Vlambeer, Finji, Indie Box, and No More Robots. And then they included New Blood this time. Cool. So there was kiosk playing dusk and other new blood games didn't get to touch them but um it looked cool and mm-hmm. there's a guy just standing there the entire time just wielding an axe and just yes. like spinning it around because <laughs> a medieval's uh key weapon like like their flagship weapon is, is, is this cool looking axe yeah is he like spinning it like the he's like just like holding it over his shoulders uh just they should have gotten one of the guys that does like the you know pizza shop here yeah mattress sale <laughs> a sign spinner yeah. well you know you can like axe. walk up and get a picture with it too you can oh, like really? ask to borrow it and like that's get cool. a shot with the axe yeah the so that's, so that's kind of like the layout for the games for the panels is scattered across seattle <laughs> in like an eight block radius what? oh my god so they basically rent out a bunch of different ballrooms at a bunch of different hotels because the washington state convention center has like a single theater room which is where our panel was, called the Ooh. Cat Theater. So they name all the theaters. All the theaters start the same letter as whatever hotel or building they're in. So Cat Theater's in the convention center. Then, like, Hippogriff is in Hyatt, and, and uh, Wyvern is in Weston, and uh, fucking Sphinx is in Sheraton. So you have to, like, trek all, like, all over downtown Seattle to get to the goddamn panels. So confusing as hell, especially since, you know, hey, it's a big major city, Big major cities have more than one Hyatt, turns out. Right. So which Hyatt am I going to? Right. And the maps aren't exactly super intuitive and easy to follow. So for I made it to all the panels I wanted to go to, but it was it was it was a weird layout. Um PAX West is also very known for very well known for its uh lax security. So nice. uh PAX East, because in Boston, ever since the Boston Marathon bombings. They have metal detectors. They search your bags pretty thoroughly whenever you mm. want to go inside the building. Once you leave, you have to do it all over again. Pax West, you just walk in. Just walk in. Yeah. 
Um, especially in light of the Jacksonville shootings, which we haven't gotten a chance to talk about. It was very uh, surprising and stark how much of their security was just kind of theater. Right. Mm-hmm. Not a lot happening. Like, and then they put a press release out like after the Jacksonville shooting because Jacksonville happened like literally a week before uh, PAX West was about to happen. They were like, hey, we're going to improve our our security measures and we're not going to be very public about it because we don't want, you know, people knowing. We want to catch them. Yeah. Literally we all they had, <laughs> they had maybe a few extra cops walking around the convention floor and then uh, they just had these giant see something, say something banners. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Of just like, hey, call this number if you see something suspicious. Right. And that's pretty much all I saw. I didn't see a single metal detector. didn't see anyone searching my bags, which look, we live in a, we live in a country that's probably like, you know, overexerts itself in terms of like sweeping security measures with TSA and stuff like that. Some people may say it's super. I mean, obviously TSA does a very poor job when it comes to racial profiling. Right. But some people also complain about, you know, how aggressive they are with metal detectors, body scanners, searching through your bags, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I would say as inconvenient as the PAX East Security measures are, and they can be, a little bit. In the world we live in, I mean, I think it's kind of worth it. Mm. I'd rather have that than someone having an, a firearm. Yeah. Even a firearm they're not intending of, of using against people right. walking around a show floor. Yep. Um, I mean, they've stopped Mason to take out his knife. Right. Like, they wouldn't let him bring out, like, a pocket knife in mm. to Paxi's. And, I don't know, I would like to see... I'd like to see a li- at least a little bit more. But so when they said they had extra measures, I did not see them. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe maybe there was just stuff happening behind the scenes that I just wasn't privy to, but at least from from my perspective, didn't see much. But so we're walking around the show floor, uh, me and Anya, walked around a couple times together on separate days. And at this point, I think it was like, I want to say it was Saturday or Sunday, I hadn't been to, uh, I hadn't played Untitled Goose Game yet. Which I really wanted to. That was like uh-huh. one. I had a long list of games I wanted to play, and obviously I want. I kind of wanted to play a lot of them before our panel. Obviously, didn't get, really get the chance to. Yeah. But I wanted to. I there were a few. I was like, I really, I really want to play this. Um. So Untitled Goose Game was in two places. It had its own booth with at the Panic booth because Panic is now publishing it. Um. Uh, and they published Firewatch. It was also at the Nintendo booth because Nintendo just had a direct where they announced a bunch of new indies and Untitled Goose Game was one of those said indies. So Anya and I are walking past the Nintendo booth and and this is the first time I've like glanced at it and I'm like, oh, they have like Untitled Goose Game has a kiosk you can play and and Diablo 3 is in the indie section for some reason (laughs) Um, and a bunch of other games and then they had like a whole wall dedicated to like Super Mario Party and Smash Brothers. So we're walking past it, and the line is like comes out of the booth, goes around like two sides of the booth, and then hits a wall, and then just goes along the side of the wall, and then it's like capped. I was like, oh man, I'd really like to try some of these games, but whatever, not gonna get a chance to. We run to Kirk Scott, who is one of the managers of like their kind of third party development support, specifically Indies. He was actually the person that ran the last Nindy Direct. Uh, and he runs into us, and he knows Anya. He's like, hey, Anya, how you doing? They hug, they're whatever, chatting. And we're both like, oh, man, booth looks great. It's like, all these games look great. And Kirk's like, thanks. Do you want to get in? 
I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he lets us in. He's like, yeah, they're with me. And then we come in, and I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> so I played some Untitled Goose game, uh, which is really fun, guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does anyone, do you guys know anyone that's on that game? Anyone no. that's working on that team? House House, the developer. But I mean, yeah. It's, so it's like a, it's a goose stealth game where you go around this garden and you want to complete these objectives. And so there's like a to do list that comes up, and some of them are like, you know, progression uh, sensitive. So mm-hmm. it's like when you first start the demo, you're on a pond and you swim off the pond, and then there's a gate to the garden and the gate's locked. And so the first objective is unlock the gate, and the way you do that is that you kind of so the goose can only the goose can sneak it can run it can honk and it can grab stuff with its mouth and that's basically like the only interactions it has okay and so you start like just grabbing at stuff with your mouth and just see what what the interactions do and there's like a a hose tied to like a spigot and you turn the spigot and the water goes through the hose and the hose goes over like the little brick wall into the garden and there's a sprinkler and the sprinkler goes off and it's like kind of broken, so it's just like spraying everywhere. And so the gardener like runs up to the gate, unlocks the gate, and turns off the spigot. So the gate's now unlocked. And then there's just a bunch of other things you can do. So one of one of the objectives is like make a picnic. So there's like a pre like laid picnic blanket on the ground, and you have to uh, put a bunch of food on it. So there's like a picnic basket somewhere, and then like a sandwich and an apple, and all that stuff is like sitting on a park bench and you just drag it over there and you put it on the blanket. Some of the other stuff is like actual produce. So there's like, it says put a carrot on the blanket. And so there's like a line of carrots buried into the, into the ground in the garden. Mm. And you want to pull one of those out. But once you pull one of those out, the gardener freaks out, runs up to you and like snatches it from you and bats you away. So the goal is to either like sneak around the gardener or distract the gardener. And you can do that by stealing his keys because he always has a key ring on him, So you can snatch it from him and then you run away. And because the keys are really light and everything has weight, um, you can run away really fast uh, and then like throw him somewhere and while he's distracted picking him up and then walking back to the garden you can grab the carrot and run back. Nice. <laughs> um, and then one of the foods you have to put on the blanket is a pumpkin and the pumpkin's really heavy so like the goose is like struggling to drag this pumpkin across the garden. <laughs> this goose needs an entire pumpkin right, for yes, its lunch. For its that's, picnic. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so it's just funny stuff like that and you can just randomly honk at any time so you just be running around the garden like Uh, oh i love it it's a cutesy fun game um and there's a great like jazz piano that starts building once the demo starts ending so it starts ticking down from like 60 seconds once you have a minute left and it's just like this uh great jazz piano like billy joel-esque like thing it's just this guy just going at it on the piano like and then it starts building up more and more until like the timer goes out and then it circle wipes onto the goose and then that's the end of the demo uh but that was really fun and then i went and played uh pokemon let's go eevee okay because they had two kiosks on the indie side for some reason over Mm -hmm. there and so there was like three or four terminals and they all had the pokeball pokeball plus and it's fun yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's a great like industrial design Mm -hmm. so you hold it like you know you kind of cup it in your hand and there's like a ring like attachment to it so yeah. you, so there's a wrist strap and then there's a ring attachment that you put through like your ring finger okay and that's how you hold the pokeball okay and the pokeball faces up out of your palm and there's the b button is just like uh this huge button on the roof of the pokeball that's right like flush with it yeah so you kind of click that in 
and then the actual like Pokeball button on the surface of the Pokeball is the joystick. Right. And then also the A button when you click it in. So it just feels so you so you walk around with that and then you click A to like interact with trainers and stuff. And it's the Pokemon Go mechanic, so you throw the Pokeball right. when the circle closes. And I mean it's fun. It's it's a fun game to tool around and and the battles play out just like they do in any other Pokemon game. Uh the demos in like Viridian Forest. So you just play a uh just kind of a repeat of Viridian Forest and the bug catchers are all there and you fight them. Mm-hmm. What's really weird though is that instead of you walking through tall grass and, and randomly encountering a Pokemon, all the Pokemon are on screen. Right. So you yeah. just look at the grass and there's just like a shit ton of Metapods and Weedles and Rattatas and Pikachus just like scurrying about. Well, not the Metapod because Metapod's just a chrysalis. But, <laughs> yeah. And so you just walk up to them. And you're like, oh, I want a Pidgey. Mm-hmm. So you just walk up to the Pidgey and capture the Pidgey or you walk up to the Weedle. Uh, but it's fun. Yeah. And Eevee sits on your head because I guess that's what Eevee does. That's what it's got to do. Yeah. That's what Eevee got to do what Eevee got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was fun. And then like I was like, cool. All right, I got the gist of this. Like, got it. It's Pokemon Yellow, but redesigned and and it's got Kitty Pokemon, and Pokemon Go mechanics. Yeah, like, absolutely understand. Like, there's a lot of nice production value to it, but like, understand. Um, and, and it's but it, it's definitely like still gearing towards much younger audience. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is fine. So I finished that. And I really kind of wanted to play Smash, but it was roped off on the other side of the thing. Oh, really? So I was like, oh, Smash. I could play some Smash. <laughs> but that was it. And so Anya and I walked out after that. And and we start walking out of the you know entrance exit. And the lady that let us in, she's like, you done? Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, like kind of saw what I wanted to see. Like, sorry I didn't stop and play every... Like, sorry I didn't play the new No More Heroes demo or whatever. But I mean played what i wanted to play but she was probably just like dude like kirk just got you in here why you you play two games <laughs> like, like there's some nuance to skipping the entire line okay like <laughs> i'm gonna keep it short and quick yeah like, <laughs> i was just like i don't know i waited i waited to play on tile goose game I'm like, i don't know i spent, spent like 15 minutes in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. um but yeah it's like it was, it was just cool to be able to a talk to kirk B, get his business card. C, get me into the booth. Yeah. That's real cool. Um, What else did I play? I played... Or what else did I see at the very least? All right. So, um, Devolver dropped their new game. Why, why are devs doing this, first what? off? Why do you... I mean, I get it. If press aren't at the show, if players aren't at the show, you announce a new game, and they're like, oh, awesome, new Devolver or Vlambeer game cool but if you're at the show you're not fucking paying attention to social media yeah so i wouldn't have known about gato robato if you guys hadn't told me about it oh <laughs> um which i didn't play okay but i talked to those devs a lot so devolver had a messenger lot launch party that weekend uh at the hard rock cafe Ooh, the coolest joint in town it was, actually, it was actually a really nice venue because they had like a roof <laughs> garden bar thing it was really nice i can imagine also just sort of like devolver ironically ironically yeah yeah. (laughs) i was i was kind of into it um but they were doing a launch party there and i talked to two of the devs on gato robato for a long time they're really cool but uh cullen one of the devs he was telling me this story he was like at the kiosk for their game at the devolver booth and this guy comes up to him and he's like 
So is this game like Metroid, but with a cat? <laughs> and Colin was like talking to someone else, and he just turns around and just sarcastically is like, yes, it's the exact same game, but with a cat. And then just turns back to the other person he was talking to and keeps talking. The guy's like, that seems kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would, you, why would you make the same game twice? Or why would you make a game that already exists? And he's like, well, so he's just sticking to his bit. So he's just like, well, you know, it's like blah, 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 blah. Like, I like Metroid, but the cats, cats are cool. And he ignores him again, turns back to the other person. And the guy's like, well, I'm not going to spend money on the same exact game. <laughs> it's the same game, but with cats. Oh, I'm not going to buy oh, that. No. So the guy turns around and Colin, for transparency, has kind of like shoulder length hair, you know, kind of kind of a beard. He's a white dude. And he goes, do you know who I am? I am Rami Ishmael, <laughs> creator of Minute. <laughs> oh, my God. And this is my new game. And he was just like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Oh, like, my God. Like, <laughs> so sorry. if He just, like, walked off. <laughs> so, like, for starters, either the guy knows about Rami or knows about Minute with yeah. some familiarity. Yeah. But doesn't know what Rami looks like. <laughs> or maybe he does and maybe this guy I mean Cullen kind of looks similar except you know the skin tone yeah and so maybe this guy just was the camera adds pigment everybody yeah. knows <laughs> everyone yeah I'm so tan on camera but I just <laughs> I was like man bravo bravo that's great all Devol- Devolver those those dudes are nuts yeah everyone Devolver's nuts should have like turned around and been like, well, I saw Call of Duty and Pokemon do it, so I figured, why not make the same game twice? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Everyone <laughs> loves Metroid. Yeah, but yeah, so um, didn't really play anything at the Devolver booth. Well, actually, and I have something for you, by the way. Well, um, so I ran Austin before our panel, or at the beginning of Friday, and he was walking around trying out stuff uh, before he had to go off site to play something, and then came back. And he talked about his Thousand Threads game, which was one of the games he played off-site. He, we walk over to the Devolver booth, and if you're familiar with Austin Walker, you might be familiar that uh, he likes uh, mech games. A lot. He, he's yeah. a purveyor of them, one might say. And uh, Metal Wolf Chaos XD was playable at the Devolver booth. So we're both like, all right. And so we walk up to the booth, and he starts playing it. And apparently one of the people that ran the booth uh, keyed him in on something that an earlier build of this game, if you uh, died, the game would hard crash the desktop. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So I think they either made it so you can't die or they did did something. You just immediately respawn. Something happened where they they had to work around that. Uh, Apparently his audio wasn't working uh, out totally. Like he could only hear sound in in the left ear and not Mm. the right on the headphones he had. Um, but yeah, so we played like the first level and a half of Metal Wolf Chaos and it's that game. Yeah. Like it looks the exact same, like less jaggies, like it's nice. same textures, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, it's got that, you know, cutscene where he goes, Michael! And uh, you're fighting people on the White House lawn and <laughs> and then like in like the Grand Canyon or wherever and oh my gosh I don't know Will if 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 you want to play that exact game except yeah. maybe touched I, up just a little bit it's I, it's available I think that's exactly what people wanted like not even like a remaster or or, or like a reboot but just that exact game 
I probably. Yeah. Probably. Well, it never came to the West, right? Right. Right. I didn't know that. So it had complete American VO. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or English VO. Right. Um. No American. <laughs> God damn. Let's be clear. I speak American. <laughs> it had complete English voice acting, but never came here. Yeah. So you could import it, and you'd understand it like all all the all the subtitles were in Japanese, but you just listened to the voice acting. It was all English yeah. dubbed. That's weird. <laughs> That's really weird. And it's a from game. But I got I mean, you a uh, uh, President of the United States seal button because <laughs> they had a shit ton of them there. Oh, That's right. so good. Like, Will Blanton needs one of these. Pretty sick. <laughs> um, it's not huge. It's not one of these five-inch no, diameter buttons. eight-inch button. But it's not a foot-long button. Uh, yeah. I'll deal with it. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll settle. Yeah. But yeah. The, the, I was really looking forward to like a 24-inch button. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I wasn't here right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I played... Well, I didn't play that. I watched Austin play it. And uh, him and, and him and Patrick went off-site. And I came back, and I was walking around the Indie Mega booth. And I ran into Patrick again. And he was like, have you played The Quiet Man? I was like, I have not played The Quiet Man. Uh, Square Enix's new FMV game. Yeah. And he's like, boy, let me tell you. So if you've listened to Giant Bomb or Waypoint this week already or last week, uh, you're probably already familiar with the story of the quiet man. Um, But Patrick came up to me and had to tell me about this game. So I think I need to regale you guys with the same exact story. Okay, and so, this is th- this had a trailer at the Game Awards, right? No, or no, 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 this, no the, at E3. At, at the, the square, like, 30-minute reel... Right, thing they right, did, right. And it was just such a super weird real life trailer. So it's FMV. So it's it's like half FMV, half like you know in game. But the conceit is that the main character is like deaf. Right, right. Or but mute. I feel like the developers aren't very clear on what that means. Okay. Because sometimes they interpret deafness as like, oh, he can't hear. But sometimes he can le- read lips, so sometimes there's voice acting from the other characters. But sometimes it's just muffled, you know, hearing, just like, like a like a low din mm. of buzzing. But also, he doesn't really talk. So is he mute and deaf? But sometimes he does talk. So it's not really clear on that on that forefront. Mm. But basically, Patrick's experience with this was. He sits down. Well, he doesn't sit down because there's a standing kiosk. But he goes to the kiosk and he starts playing the game. And there's like this long FMV cutscene. And then he starts playing the game. And like the the main character's, the quiet man's objective, he starts out and he goes to like a hot dog stand. And he buys a hot dog. And this takes place like in a city, like generic big city. And then he goes to this back alley where there are a bunch of, you know, bad dudes the same bad dudes that were in the, the the E3 trailer. And they come up to him and he's like, what do you want? And all he does is like hold up the bag with the hot dog in it. Like, I guess implying that he's going to deliver it. Yeah. And they go like, what, what are you doing? Like, are you stupid? Or are you really stupid? And like, you know, <laughs> just pristine Uh-oh. golden, golden dialogue here. And then apparently it just turns into a really bad 3D brawler. But the kicker is... As Patrick told me, you know, most most demos have an endpoint. Um, this demo did not end. There was no like, oh, okay, final fight, fade to black, whatever, 
coming soon. Thank you for playing. It just kept going. <laughs> Patrick played this game for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> with seemingly no end in sight. And he was like, I think this is just the game. <laughs> I think this is literally just the game. Oh, my great. God. The thing that keyed him into that was that he unlocked a trophy at one point, <laughs> which usually doesn't happen <laughs> on a floor demo. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so he's like still playing this game. And what he told me was he said, I'm not going to let this game break me. I'm going to see myself through this game and come out the other side unbroken and unbowed. And so he just kept playing this game. And I think at one point, one of the people that was helping run the Square Enix booth like noticed that he was... He like was looking really confused and like maybe they saw the trophy pop up or something. So this woman walks up to him and goes, uh, thank you for playing, sir, but I believe your 15 minutes are up. <laughs> An oh hour God. and 15 minutes after starting this, what he told me, one of the worst demos he has ever played. Oh my wow. God. Which is a lot coming from a guy who has worked on this in this industry since he was 14. That's like... Uh... That's a lot of uh, commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just, and so um, he told me about that. And then later I was staying in line for uh, one of the Pat Bear panels. And I, I brought it up. I was staying in line with Mello, um, who is a composer. And we were talking about it. And this guy overhears us. And he turns around and he's like, I was the guy playing the kiosk next to Patrick as he was playing it and after we both finished i approached him and i was like do we need to talk about what just happened to us <laughs> do we need to like do we need to like have like a i feel like we have a connection now yeah <laughs> i feel like we both just went through something the quiet boys yeah the quiet <laughs> boys <laughs> great uh but yeah so i was actually really excited to go play that after hearing that but i think him spreading that news around the show floor caused that booth to get pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty packed. Oh, a lot, a lot more traffic. People waiting in line yeah, to for play the, an hour and a half for, for, the, for the quiet man. No, no, fifteen minutes, please. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, definitely a fifteen-minute demo. Definitely. But yeah, I was like, I walked by there and I was like, huh, there's people on it. Do I really want to stand here <laughs> in line to play this game that I know is bad? That I have confirmed reports that it's really bad do i really want to play it i don't think so <laughs> um do you regret it though i kind of do <laughs> i kind of <laughs> wish i just i just found out i found out for myself um really quickly some other stuff i played uh i played samurai gun 2 yes nice. is fantastic yeah it is very good I'm, I'm very excited it's coming to switch i'm so excited dude. It's, it's a very good game that that was so far out of left field for me and like of all like the sleeper hits that i feel like the switch is gonna have because i'm looking forward to killer queen yes I'm that was also that was part of pax uh, rising i didn't get a chance to play it i'm looking forward to like a portable version of Skullgirls. like mm -hmm. that's all i well might be remembering it. this wrong but weren't you like before the direct being like i'd be really interested in samurai gun on i thought you switch. also yes. said that maybe didn't you yeah. all i saw Okay. I, I like right before the direct I was like man I wonder if like they would port this first Samurai Gun to Switch yeah. and then 10 minutes later Samurai it Gun 2 just like, like what oh my god I feel like we like weirdly affected <laughs> we brought yeah. that into the yeah. universe <laughs> uh, Double Fine's publishing it so it was at the Double yeah. Fine booth um, and 
uh, do, do one, Dose, Dose One. Dose One is Adam Drucker is making another beautiful soundtrack. I actually keep listening to that trailer because I just want to hear like the full version of that song. The, so bad. The first uh, there's a different rap for in the first game soundtrack, right? And that's all on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I have like all of his soundtracks. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can buy like all of his music for sixty bucks on Bandcamp. Oh, okay. It's like great re- Bandcamp feature. Ridiculously right. cheap for a lot of great music for a lot of great games. It's also on um Google Play Music. I don't know about like Spotify or like other services. It probably is. So a lot I just of those independent artists are putting their stuff everywhere. Right. I just got them there. Um, yeah. Adam Drucker was also at the Devolver party, so I I talked to him a bunch. I mean, we've met before. We talked at that party, and then we talked at Pack South. Um, but I always love talking to him. He's such a cool eccentric dude. Um, apparently him and Anya used to work at Nickelodeon together huh. or oh, no at, at, at a subsidiary of Nickelodeon. I forget what the name of the, the studio was called, but basically they're flash games That's studio. Cool. <laughs> so that was really cool to learn. Uh, yeah, I played uh, so at the double fine booth. I played that. I played kids. So basically that little like weird experiment thing with all the black and white silhouette humanoid people. I don't think I've seen that. It's I've pretty cool. Seen, I don't it was think I've IGF. seen anything of that one. It was, it was a IGF nominee. It's a cool little thing. If you if you if you Google it, you'll like immediately recognize it. Um, I played Knights and Bikes, uh, which I haven't gotten a chance to play yet, which is really cool. Um, it's basically '80s era nostalgia driven. You play these two. It's a single player cooperative. You play these two kids that run around, and their imagination pretends like parts of the town they live in are other things. So like the demo takes place in like you break into like the city dump but they think it's like a, a castle and there's like one of those cranes with like a magnet on it. And it's like, it's the wizard's tower. And it like, tur- <laughs> and, and it's not like, Hey, it's a crane. And then it like transforms into a different, uh, asset is it, it's still the crane, but then there's like a chalk line drawing of like a crappy uh, wizard's tower over top of it. <laughs> and like a little wizard inside, like the, the right. car yeah. I'm sold. Um, Muyu is the developer on it. He, uh, uh, used to work at Media Molecule, so he's based out of London. Um, Mike Bithell's downstairs neighbor, I believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he was also the programmer on Subsurface Circular, um, which interesting story there. Apparently, when they made Quarantine Circular, they basically had to do like very little additional features to that code base because apparently Muyu made it so Smart. rock solid. Um, but yeah, play that a little bit with Mu because Mu was there, and I didn't have anyone to play it, so I just sat down and started playing it. Um, and Moo was like, well, I have some free time, so I'm going to play this game with you. I was like, cool. It's like, I didn't know it was drop in, drop out. And Moo was like, well, right now the builds only drop in. <laughs> so I've had some troubles demoing this game this weekend where people start playing it together and then one person leaves and like, yeah. you're going to have to restart the demo. <laughs> um, but yeah, played that. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, Samurai Gun 2, really awesome. I was going to bring something else up. Uh... Yeah, really quickly, Wilmont's Warehouse, which is the new Finji game. Mm-hmm. Uh, played that. It's a lot of fun. Built in Flash, like a lot of weird different Flash libraries. So is that still in Flash? I think so. That's rough, man. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. So they had a bug. So I was helping the Finji booth a little bit on and off during the weekend. They had a bug where um, the game saved, which is just it was just text that would pop up. Say, game saved, would never go away. <laughs> they would restart the Ooh. game, and as soon as they restarted the game, it would come back immediately. Oh, man. And I was like asking Becca, I was like, hey, uh, maybe you can ask the devs and they can like, you know, try a new build or something. And she was like, yeah, but like this, the library and the systems they're working with are like really difficult to like easily iterate and, and mm-hmm. produce a new build. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, and then I was talking to Adam and he was saying it was some sort of random stuff built on OpenFL or whatever. Okay, so that's actually hacks. It, so you can only use hacks with OpenFL? There's no other? Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I played that. And then I played some more King of the Hat um, <laughs> for my buddies over at Hieroglyphic. Nice. That game's still great. Um, it was also on the Nintendo Direct. So congratulations to those guys for uh, getting that Switch deal under wraps. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's awesome because I met those guys out of the blue at Super Smash Con last year and I feel like it's been this awesome thing. It, I've been an awesome witness to them going from like, hey, we're still tooling around. This is our first game. We're out of Montreal with just some small no-name devs being like, we did a successful Kickstarter. Hey, we're going to be on Switch. Hey, also, they're going to be one of the uh, first on Discord developers. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they were demoing their game at the Discord booth, and they're going to be one of the first games, or at least their game is going to be first out on Discord. Yeah. And so they're working with that. And so I'm really excited to see how that works out for them. Um, but yeah, that's basically everything from PAX West I wanted to talk about. Thanks again to everyone that came out to the panel or listened to it after the fact. Thank you, Austin, Felix, and Khalif for being on the panel and sharing it around. Felix was like, so you know I'm always going to be on this panel now, right? And I'm like, <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm A-okay with that. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? I know I just took up a bunch of time talking about my stuff. It's all good. But what's been going on in your world? Alex, you look ready Yeah. to say something. Yeah, I'm basically ready. About something. Okay. Um... I want to just start off really quick and say that I finished God of War, and it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, definitely comes together to be something way more than the sum of its parts. Did you bring it? Fuck. <laughs> Dude, I got... You got your car towed, so I mean... Yeah, like I ran out to... Yeah, that's I'm fine. Sorry. Don't Jesus. worry about it. All right. I can um, come pick it up. Sorry, yeah, you, you don't do live that. far away. That's true. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it comes together to be like more than uh, just a decent combat sim a good story and uh a serviceable open world like it does a lot to bring everything together and just be a fantastic experience overall i i felt very impressed by it the end is very satisfying it's a beautiful game all around you got to finish it so we can talk more about it because really the biggest thing to talk about is the story um combat's good but yeah okay play play, play through it all right i will when i get it back to you i'm, I'm glad so it's not yeah. it's not a slog combat not wise okay. yeah um cool. i didn't think the elf area was too bad um so maybe you might still find parts of it a slog but but, but after the elf area it did feel faster compared to the elf area like did you yeah. see any noticeable difference in also, did you mainline it or did you do mostly? A lot of side yeah, stuff? I, I did like one or two side quests. I did realize that there was like probably a good couple twenty-ish more hours I could sink into it if mm-hmm. I was really that dedicated. Um, I did not do that at all. I did kind of just go through the main story, and I'm happy that I did that. Uh, there's like two optional realms that you can unlock. And it basically, like, after I beat the game, I just went and, like, okay, what, what are these? And then sort of realized that they're both optional. Like, one of them is just an arena. Okay. So you can that's just do, like, like horde uh, wave after wave. Um, that's Moosefulheim. Okay. And then there's one of them that's, like, a maze that you have a limited time. 
like as soon as you get into the area, you have a time bank and your goal is to get into the maze and get as much treasure as you can and get out. And depending on how much you get, you can build armor that like increases your amount of time that you have in this maze. And like the goal is eventually there's like something hidden at the center of it. And that's like something that could easily, you could sink a good day or two into. And I was just like, not going to do that. (laughs) Um, I've heard tell that the Valkyries side quest is the most rewarding, but I only did one Valkyrie fight overall. There's like eight Valkyries scattered around and they're all really, really hard fights. Yeah, fight Tessa Thompson. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, first one was hard enough that I was like really engaged by the end of it. I was like, all right, I took a lot out of me and it was really impressive just how much I had to be like on my feet uh, on the ball the whole time, like playing reactively rather than instinctively. Sure. And uh, was impressed by it, but definitely felt like, because it took me like a good 10 or 15 tries and I was just like, I don't want to do eight more of them. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard that apparently the ending of that one's super rewarding, has its own story bit. Did, did you do a lot of those bells where you like hit the three bells? I thought I did every one I could find. Whenever I found one of those chests, it's like, all right, I'm staying here until I get them open. Um, There's one in Alfheim, which was like impossible for me to do just because of how slow Kratos moves. So like, all right, throw the axe. All right, got to summon it real quick. All right, got to throw them the second one. All right, time to hit the third one. Oh, the other two have already respawned to their default position. So I got to start the whole chain over again. Yeah, it can take some work sometimes. Can you um, use Atreus to help you with that? No, it's just got to be your axe. I did try that at one point. Yeah, he just doesn't aim for it. It's weird. Boy, yeah. <laughs> hit the bell, boy. Hit the bell. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a little wonky. I. Every single time I found one, I like stayed in that area and I was committed to getting that chest open, but I apparently missed quite a few. So I don't know how hard they could truly get, but I didn't have too much trouble. Mm. I had hard, I had like one of them felt like it was almost impossible. There were like one or two that it definitely like took me a couple tries, but yeah. Not too bad. Okay. I definitely did have like a really nice sigh of relief and it was the one that are just like permanently unlocked. You just find like the statue, like the little urns or something with the rune on them. Oh, and that's you just break mean. them and you're oh, just like, oh. oh, thank God. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, mine were all bells. There's some bells or some urns and somewhere you have to like switch them. Really? They have like three different characters and you have to switch them to the right character. Ah. Those aren't too hard either. Okay. It's just finding them is the whole challenge. So anyway, God of War is really, really good. I'm excited to talk more about it as soon as I can. Uh, yeah. And uh, to counter that, We Happy Foo is not. Oh, oh. <laughs> man, this bums me out so much. I, I was yeah. so excited for this game. I remember the initial trailers I was very excited for. I remember reading a lot about the development studio, it being X Bioshock devs, of course. Um, we've touched on that in the past. Sure. Uh, like, yeah, I, I felt like, cool, this has the groundwork to be something really incredible. And, uh, and it just didn't. It just kind of petered out. I think when it came out and people sort of realized it was a roguelike survival sim, something or other, uh, I guess the closest comparison I can think of to that is Sir, You Are Being Hunted. Yeah. If you remember that one. Yes. Um, um, it's, it's not as active as that one because, I mean, it's much right. more like a Rust type where it's like, or the original, the original game when it was in early access was like, hey, run around this field and eat some dirty food and right. try to get past this checkpoint or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, there, there's just a lot 
carried over, I, I guess, from that initial impression where everyone kind of went, oh, this isn't what I thought this game was going to be. I was expecting, uh, I guess, something Bioshock-esque with a campaign that you play through. Well, what people wanted and what I wanted was, yeah, basically like a immersive sim or at the yeah. very least like a, a, a first-person adventure story-driven story. game right. that took place in alternative 60s era London. And I thought that could be really good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I guess that's what everyone sort of expected when they saw the trailer because the trailer wasn't a whole lot of gameplay. It was more just like... It was set dress. Well, it was, look it at it our was cool the intro. And our world. Yeah. yeah. It was like the intro part where he played... Where, where, was it Arthur? Is it, what's the character's name? Henry? Harry? Well, no, this is way even before they had characters. Oh, I'm talking about like that one where you play the intro cutscene where he's like the censor mm. and he doesn't take his joy. Right. And like, hey, let's break open the pinata. And then they're all eating the dead rat. Like, that's, that's why I remember it. And I was like, wow, this is striking. Yeah. And then it opens up into generic survival game. Yeah. I, but I just, I feel like maybe a good, I, I just bring this up because I feel like it's definitely chalked up to a lot of um, not managing expectations very well. It's sort of No Man's Sky-esque situation, maybe. Right. But at least, well, and, yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where people are, were probably wanting one thing and got fed another. Um, in this case, less of a, there are fewer futures than promise. It's more of a, this is a different game entirely than right. what I thought this was going to be. And then... I don't know. It feels like they felt like they had to shift gears because of that, create this more story-based adventure, and then, I guess, work with what they had to kind of shift it in there. Right. I think they just didn't have enough resources to do the story-driven thing justice. Right. And also, maybe they just really didn't have a full grasp on what they really want to do with that setting story-wise. Yeah. So, how much of it did you play? I got not a lot. Okay. I mean, I, I spent maybe an evening on it. Also here it's buggy. Yeah. Also it's, here it's buggy as hell. I, I sort of skimmed past it in my in my blog hot take just because everyone talks about this. But yeah, it's horribly buggy. Um, you, I, I couldn't complete a quest without like restarting the entire game because like some guy was supposed to let me into a building and I couldn't be let into the building at all. That's the exact same. Yeah. Was it like the thing we had to wear the certain article of clothing to be let into the club or whatever it was. Uh, That's what Patrick Klepek talked about in his review. Like he, like this guy like straight up wouldn't let him into the building. And then I think at one point he was like under the ground <laughs> and then he like reverted a save and he was back and then he recognized. I don't know if that was it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm like blanking. It was a little while ago. Cause what this like came out like earlier, late August. Like the final version, like the non early access version, right? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, experienced a lot of bugs. I mean, largely it's just like a lot of really poor design decisions. Um, I mean, again, everyone sort of talked about this, but the fact that you can overdose on the one resource you need a constant supply of, which just sort of makes it so there's no way you can win at this game, and I don't think it's done in an effective way. If they're trying to provide this this bleak and, and overbearing mood. Um, why is overdosing a thing? It, it it still doesn't make any sense, and it just sort of causes you to put your controller down and wait it out. You know, you're like this. This isn't fun to play while this is happening, and I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> Sounds like the bullshit malaria mechanic in Far Cry Two. No, like I said, I think if it's there's a way, if there's a reason to do it to establish a mood, then it'd be fine. But 
it doesn't really feel that way. It never plays that way in We Happy Few. Malaria in Far Cry 2 works on some degree because the entire theme of that game is stress. Okay. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like Far Cry 2 attempted to feel like Shadow of the Colossus and that you're not supposed to be here and like this is going to be a very overbearing, impossible task for you. Okay. Um, things just don't work right. Stuff breaks down. And in that sense... I think Far Cry 2 works. We've had that discussion before. Sure. Yeah, we can um, have our yeah. the great Far Cry 2 debate <laughs> another time. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I think if that's what We Happy Few was going for to kind of create this mood of, of an overbearing world that you're not supposed... I don't know. Nothing else carries that weight, you know? You're- Boy, you got to <laughs> carry that weight. You got to carry that weight a no- long time nothing else follows through with that core you see it works because it's 60s and it's england you see you see the beatles <laughs> reference works just it's, yeah. it's right there i love its setting i love its art oh it's, yeah voice it's acting 60s, is actually really good 60s psychedelia london they they I'm got about that good voice actors everything's like played acted very well written very well its world is striking and like i don't know i'd watch a movie of it but i i feel like as a game it's just a, such a hobbled experience um, well, I think I think it it's about what you said. How they just had to pivot so hard, and yeah. I just don't think they were prepared to pivot. Whereas, Hello Games had two years to pivot. Yeah, uh, We Happy Few had what a year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but you know, Propulsion Games is that the studio? Pro- oh, for We Happy Few. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought it started with a C. Compulsion. Compulsion. That's it. Yeah. Conjunction. Compulsion. Junction. I think it's Compulsion. Whatever the studio's name, I mean, they're they're now a Microsoft subsidiary. Right. So maybe... They might have some mad bunnies. Yeah, so maybe they have the resources now. Well, they do... They have the resources now. Hopefully, they get given the resources to do something. Because, I mean, I don't know. I'm excited for all those subsidiaries because it's them, Ninja Theory, that new uh, Santa Monica studio. I forgot Ninja Theory's doing stuff for him now. Yeah, yeah, they got bought, um, which some people aren't happy about. When Joe Wetmore kind of bummed, oh really? That the people that made one of his favorite games, uh, um, what is that game called? The one they just made. The uh, plays the woman. She has mental illness. Hellblade. Yes, Hellblade. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was very bummed that the developers of Hellblade are now at Microsoft subsidiary, but that really bothered me. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Sometimes they do well, sometimes they kind of, I don't know. It's just Microsoft, just Microsoft A needs a win. I mean, they need more rares, right? They need to give studios the time to make more rare-esque games, more mm-hmm. unique stuff to justify exclusivity. Right. And just, you know, between Scalebound, which I know Platinum wasn't an, a a first party but between Scalebound being canceled and that phantom dust studio being shuttered and the fable stuff being you know put on ice and lionhead being closed and uh, they need they need something right they need to figure themselves out uh in between god of war i just sort of felt this hankering for a while now to re-pick up uh okami okay and the hd re-release on switch is I think bar none, the best way to play it. So Okami, um, you play as a wolf. You do wolfy things. Well, you don't. You're not just a wolf. Mm-hmm. You don't do just wolfy things. Mm-hmm. It's not just a furry game. No, it's a great furry game. Okay. To be fair, great. 
<laughs> but it's I'm not static. Uh, you play as a goddess. Who? Ooh. Yeah, they're, they're divine. F- furry. Their form when on Earth is a wolf. Uh, but you are sort of limited to that form, so really all you do is bark and dig and and like headbutt into things. But you're also what what normal wolves do, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, since you're also a goddess, you possess divine powers. And I think the coolest thing about the game is is how it interweaves uh, its core mechanic, which is essentially being able to pause the game at any point and turn it into a parchment, essentially. It's great because like what you're seeing uh, suddenly becomes like a piece of paper that tilts and like it's on a desk and you switch to this view where you have like a paintbrush that you're suddenly drawing on. And so what you draw, uh, depending on what you draw, different symbols do different things. Like you can do a swirl for wind, uh, a circle in the sky brings out the sun, um, drawing a line from say a torch or a bonfire uh, to other things will like set other things on fire. Um, a single line is a slash. This is how it creates its puzzles. Can you use the touchscreen for this stuff? You can't. Okay. So that's why I think the Switch is the definitive version yeah, because yeah. you have, like when it first came out on the PS2, you were confined to using the joystick, which was very slow and awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on, the, on the Wii, could you use the motion controls? My first time playing it was on the Wii. And yes, you can just, as soon as you you, you can sort of snap your wrist to create the line that creates a slash. Um, very simple very clean very effective and intuitive um you can still do that on the switch with its motion detection inside the joy con sure uh so that's an option or if you're playing it portable yeah you just use the touch screen and i mean that's a really great way to do it too why hasn't mad cats or someone made a third party stylus ugly ridiculous looking stylus for the switch yet just a big <laughs> plastic rubbery thing <laughs> has like weird edges on it and it's got like a neon you can, line. Like, snap and... something onto your switch for it to snap onto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. It scratches your switch up and <laughs> Hell yeah. And somehow the stylus breaks after like a month of right. use. It just right. like doesn't register anymore. And that's and, the second player stylus. And, or it just won't stop rumbling, like the rumble pack <laughs> in it. <laughs> Do you have a controller that did that? I, I've experienced several mad cats in my life and I have a bunch of experiences that I just come from like how crappy they all were. I and live. I have lived I with do several remember, mad cats. <laughs> I do remember one that just like the the right because they had like rumbles at each side sure. of the controller okay. and like yeah. the yeah like the right one just wouldn't stop vibrating while you were playing and it was like great. I guess I'm cool. Just, yeah. have, you, have you ever had a, a game hard lock while it was like activating the rumble and it just keeps going? And you're just like oh yeah. it's the end of the world. It's like that, yeah. <laughs> it crashes like while it's giving you the force. Yeah. So a bunch of my friends, myself included, uh-huh, uh played Okami on the PS2 when it first came out. And <laughs> what we uh experienced was that it was so much better with the analog stick than the motion controls on PS2. On PS2 I, versus Wii. Okay. I think what happened is uh, PS2 was way more lenient mm. um, because you had to use the analog stick. They were pretty forgiving. And like, uh, I guess there was like more context awareness of what you were trying to do, like what kind of puzzles are very available in the area. I don't know how they did it, but I remember playing it on the PS2 as well when I got a PS2, which is actually years after I got my Wii. Um, 
and uh, yeah, feeling like it was easier to pull things off than I remember. Uh, also, yeah. everyone that owned a Wii had huge, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, when you're when you fall in love with your kidnapper. Oh yeah, Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. I never felt like I had problems with the motion controls. I, I don't know. Maybe it is, it is right the there. Stockholm <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. I never had problems with. Why we treated me okay <laughs> until Skyward Sword. Skyward, well, God damn it! Skyward Sword game. felt like a pain in the ass. That's the game but, that broke me. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, never again. We, motion controls are dead. But I mean, I I loved Wii Sports. I loved Okami. Um, I don't know what else I played that really took advantage but of I it. But I love them too. Yeah. <laughs> Unqualified. Uh oh, the Metroid, the the first person Metroid on Wii Prime, the trilogy. E- uh, Echoes. Is that three? Yeah. Yeah, that one on Wii was really good. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Red Steel, Red <laughs> Steel Two. I don't remember that one. Oh, that was the. I did actually want to get into like Wii first person shooters. Like we had Conduit One and Two. Uh, <laughs> no one remembers, but they no, were. I remember they were Conduit. I remember when Nintendo was like, "This is it." This <laughs> premier first-person shooter of this generation. We're going to get the hardcore gamers on the Wii, and it never happened. All right, that I first wanted... one didn't do well. All right, we're making a sequel. <laughs> I wanted to try it. Uh, I never got around to it. Um, but I did uh, play a lot of first-person shooters on the 3DS, which worked really well. I thought... Metroid Prime Hunters? Outside of... Hun- Actually, I think Hunters was the worst one. Really? Um, what, uh, what else was, was there? Gamecock and Renegade Kid made... Um, uh, sorry, what? <laughs> this is i think there were two part studio or at least one of them published i'm not sure who but it was uh gamecock and renegade kid okay their icons a chicken uh, i right? figured all right <laughs> okay i mean what was the other option <laughs> uh they <Our> made ceo <laughs> they made a series uh they put out i think three first person shooters using a homebrew 3ds fps engine that felt really slick Okay. And like almost one one to using mouse and keyboard. Uh, that was Dementium one and two, which were horror shooters, and Moon. And based off the no, Sam Rockwell, not based off the of the film. <laughs> I think Moon is more about the Illuminati than it is uh, loneliness. But yeah, <laughs> same thing. If I was in the Illuminati, I'd be super alone. But anyway, um, wait. So if it's a FPS on. 3D, 3DS, right? Yeah. Or, okay. No, actually, regular DS. Regular DS. Because yeah. Metroid Prime Hunters wow. was on DS. Right. There's no analog stick. Right. Yeah, explain yourself. So, yeah. so this is like Doom-style controls? So you No, you hold it like like in one hand, and then your stylus on the test screen. And, and the stylus on the test screen the... is like a it's like a mouse and keyboard, essentially. Like, so, okay. It's as snappy as you want it to be. Like, you can you can be really accurate with it. How do you fire? Uh, Left trigger. Okay. Yeah, that's weird. But I'm right-handed. Then it's got right. Okay. No, like left hand on the no. left side of the system. Okay. <laughs> and then stylus on the touchscreen. I get screen. it, but Dylan, like... no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But what I'm saying is that that's how right-handed people play it. I'm right-handed. No, goddammit. <laughs> I'm saying in my brain, my default is left trigger aims, right trigger shoots. It wasn't that hard to pick up on. You say that. And then, like they, they <laughs> didn't. I'm not fucking Jimi Hendrix over here. I can't they, flip the guitar over. And they play didn't have any side. jumping like Metroid Prime Hunters, which kind of ruined it because you had to like do this wonky double tap on the screen to jump. Um, 
but I mean, like all your weapon switching was on the touchpad. It was just tucked in the corner here. So you just like sort of dragged real quick to switch weapons. It was really fast and intuitive and slick. And I thought like, this is great. I wanted them to make more, but they didn't sell very well, obviously. Well, it was fast and intuitive and slick because they only had to render 250 pixels. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was a bit of it. And I mean, that that's definitely part of me that just appreciates that PS2 graphical style in everything, no matter well, let what. Let me tell you about Metal Wolf Chaos XD. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, PSX, PS2 graphical style. I don't know. I loved it on my DS whenever I had a 3D game. It was just like, oh, yeah, look at all these jaggies, low polys. It's great. Okay. Yeah. So Okami? Okami is still awesome. good. Uh, I but think. What if I've already played twilight princess and epic mickey do i really need to play okami yeah <laughs> i i mean look i i don't think i need to restate what moment's so vocal about and just that wait what is it this week i can't keep track <laughs> okami is quite possibly the best zelda out there hmm. um it's it's and in replaying it i have noticed that like there's quite a bit of like slowdown just to like deliver story and dialogue and that sort of thing mm-hmm. but if what we have talked about before and just that games can really truly live and die by their moments, Okami is built on such great moments of just like realization, uh, story beats, set pieces. Um, There's so much variety in the locales that you visit, the enemies that you fight, the ways that you are capable of solving puzzles. It really blows it all out to, to a degree that you don't quite see in other video games these days. Um, okay. There's real. There's a really grand sense of scale to it, and how much you're able to experience in that adventure. It is a really great adventure. How much is it? Twenty bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got. You got to get in on that. I, you gotta. You gotta. <laughs> the speaking of uh, Legend of Zelda games, I also lightly played Dark Siders three. Yeah. At uh, I was about to say E three at Pax West. Um. I walked by the THQ Nordic booth and it didn't have a line. People just walked up to random terminals. I literally just cut through the middle of it because I was going somewhere. And this guy like had was just just took his headphones off and put the controller down as I walked by. I'm like, yeah, I'll try Darksiders. I mean, I'm right here and no one's waiting in line, so yeah. why the hell not? And I have I've never played Darksiders game, but I feel like I have played all of the Darksiders games now. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's Pretty fine. Much. It's just it's when T- when when Nordic Games rebranded as THQ and they seem to be buying up all these double A IPs, they are making double A games. Like yeah. that that feels like a double A game. It's not like they are the most okay Zelda right. clones that you can possibly get. It's not like <laughs> ridiculous production values or anything. It's a it's a solid game. Feels fine. With admittedly some great art. Yes, the art art direction yeah. in that game is pretty good, but yeah, all the Darksiders games look gorgeous. Right. Yeah. But like on the fringes, like if I like if you put Bayonetta and Darksiders in my peripheral vision, I could not tell them apart. Yeah. Bayonetta is the one with the skinny girl and Darksiders is the one with the big hands. Huh. <laughs> I did see a very good war cosplay uh on the show floor down to he wore all white contacts. Oh, and so I nice. like glanced over at him, and he was just like smiling, talking to one of his friends, but he had no eyes. <laughs> and I like gl- looked away because I just thought like I caught him in a very like off moment. And then I looked back again, and was like, "Nope, dude, still doesn't have eyes." <laughs> it is <laughs> so, pretty uh, crazy how I can like picture war in my head, but it keeps like blurring into like a Warcraft blood elf. 
Or Geralt. Or Geralt, yeah. They're basically the same. Or Henry Cavill, because apparently <laughs> that's the Geralt we're getting in this universe. I'm I'm cool with that. That's fine. I think it looks... Yeah, I that's think fine. he'll do it. He'll do good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll wear a porn mustache as Superman, so he'll do it. Yes. <laughs> you, he's got to have the porn mustache as Geralt. I mean, you got the porn. I think, well, I think he's going to get, like, all of his hair white and all of the facial hair white, except for the mustache part. I really wonder if there's a version of <laughs> Justice League out there with the mustache. It's got to be. Oh, I bet, like, some junior effects artist at whatever, you know, <laughs> Nick studio. to himself. Yeah, like, whatever studio uh, they license to, like, CG all that stuff. He just, like, save as. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny superman dot <laughs> mp4 and then put Man. that in his custom hard drive unplugged it walked out of the studio <laughs> took it home laughs himself to sleep every night <laughs> or we just got away on like the topher grace fan edit where he put the the mustache back in <laughs> nice <sighs> uh, what else have you been playing do you want to talk you want to talk about another game you've been playing or you want to lightly touch on cyberpunk since we made a, a oblique uh, cd project red reference I mean, I, I did have, I, I think, maybe some more important stuff to touch on. Okay. If we want to save Cyberpunk for later. Go ahead. Um, so, real quick, before we move away from PAX completely, let me move into, uh, I played Riot's board game. Uh, this Riot's board two, game. Two weeks ago, yes. Is this a league? It is set Stop. in the League of Legends universe. Okay. Does not feature any League of Legends characters, I believe, outside of the rule book. I'm not very familiar so with League. So don't quote me on that. Does it is the is I, it just feature all the women they've yes. never hired? Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Stunned silence across the crowd. A hushed. He went there in the background. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, yeah. So we can we can go from there into that. Was my thinking. Um, but. I will I will start this by saying Mechs versus Minions is a very good board game. That's an alright title. Yeah. Um so I like I said, I don't know League of Legends like at all. Uh but I guess it's my understanding there is a character in in the roster that controls a mech. Maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll get a bunch of fanboys telling us we're wrong <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um but, I mean, I already made a joke at Riot's expense, so I mean, they're already yeah. knocking down our door. Frothing at the mouth. Yeah. Pausing this, writing up their angry reviews. <laughs> uh, uh, so, um, I believe there's a character that pilots a mech, and he's in the rules as being a teacher of a mech academy. All right. So, this is like already super anime. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. it's four My players. Mech high school. <laughs> My hero. Yeah, Mechan- Mechan- Academy. Academy. <laughs> oh, it should be called the Academy. <laughs> That's pretty dope. <laughs> uh, so there's these. Yeah, you four players each get these one of uh, one of four characters that are all like student mech drivers, and they're all really wonky steampunk looking League of Legends mech. Like one of them's literally just like a bomb with legs, and the guy's sitting on it. It's like not even a seat. He's just sitting on the top of this perfect sphere bomb okay. Okay. but with two levers jutting out of it so it mm-hmm. looks like he's just doing this uh jeff it, gersman pushed really hard for this giant bomb cross promotion <laughs> <DNA>. <laughs> there's i mean it, it's all got like that real league of legends aesthetic where it's very cartoony and silly mm-hmm. things are way bigger than they should be and and all that jazz so is league i've never played moba 
Is League the the silly one and Dota's the serious one in terms of like art style? Maybe. Are they both ser- silly? Dude, I actually is have Heroes of New Earth the the serious one. I actually I have no idea. Part. Yeah, I, I I cannot tell it you. Be, it should be. I think it's a spectrum. Like on one end is Heart of the Storm, I've, or Heroes of the Storm, and on the other end is I don't know. I've played literally one, one evening of Heroes of the Storm to get Overwatch content because they were doing a cross promotion. Wow! <laughs> and I how does that skin feel, you fanboy? <laughs> <laughs> it just like I had a bunch of friends who were like, "Do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Sure, I guess I'll try it." And I was just like, "Yeah, that sure was a MOBA." When I got <laughs> out of it, um, that sure was one of them dear MOBAs. And then I believe I brought up Battle Right before as being the one true good MOBA out of there because it's not okay. actually a MOBA; it's just all the good parts stripped out of it and made into an actually fun game. Okay. Um, so anyway, I have absolutely no bearing on this argument. I have no idea what League of Legends is like. I assume terrible because it's a MOBA. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, Mechs versus Minions has you uh, on a board with various goals to accomplish, such as here's this bomb. You have to push it into a certain tile on okay. this grid. Or uh, there's crystals out on the far ends of this grid. You have to grab them and bring them back to the school. Um, and then here are your characters. What happens at the beginning of every round is there is a draft where the number of players plus one cards are drawn, uh, laid out, and everyone gets to pick one. And then they get to place it on a grid of... They, they're given a mat that has one through six. It's like their they tech can, grid. Right. And you can place it anywhere on that. And then you do that in every round. And then every turn, when it comes up to you, uh, you have to play your grid in order from one to six. Okay. So you have to get a card that says, like, move forward two spaces and put it down somewhere on there. Another one that can say, like, rotate 90 degrees. Another one that might say like shoot out a firebomb or something, and so and you always have to take that action. You can't and, skip and, that action. And so yeah, you just you whatever order you place it down, you have to go like one, two. Okay, I'm moving now. Like three, now four I'm shooting okay. is my rotate. Six is my shoot, and like you can place them whatever area you like. You can overwrite uh, previous rules, uh, but can you, can you battle write previous rules? No. Okay. No, Dylan. Okay. Stop. Go on. <laughs> you can upgrade them. Uh, there's certain ways you can toy with it, but the idea is to be planning so far ahead and be working with your team in such this in a really interesting strategic way. Because uh, in order to like really get this down, I mean, you have to sort of be planning a bunch of turns in advance and thinking about how this grid works out. I, it's really cool in that aspect, like. It, it definitely feels like everyone's playing on the same level using the same brain when it clicks. And uh, I I had a really great time with it. Also, its production values are insane. Um, the actual miniatures you get for your players come painted. I mean, they're like fully modeled. Each one is completely unique. Uh, every There's like a hundred tiny minions because they're like the cannon fodder that, mm-hmm. you're, that you're essentially mowing down to complete objectives. Are you also sending them out, or are they like a NPC? They're an NPC control. So there is kind of like a DM, but not really. That okay. has a instruction booklet. Anyone can do this, but it just like it gives you like okay, you know, on this turn they spawn on this side of the grid or this side, and like you just fill them up. Okay. As they come in, and then they move forward uh, on their own accord. They all have like their own rules. Uh, there's a giant boss piece 
that's like this big. Uh, he comes out and uh, takes for up like a audio only grid. listeners. The he, it's about a foot long. I no no <laughs> like <laughs> tall. <laughs> Sorry, more like six inches. When you really. knock it over, <laughs> more 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 like half that. I should say. Um. Uh. Yeah. I don't know how my hands work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just like war, massive hands. You lose a sense of scale. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is two inches. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's like cool plastic crystals. I mean, it's just it's such a really well made, well put together, and an interestingly designed board game that produces a lot of really fun moments of just like, you know, can you control your mech? How are you going to program it? What creates the more interesting situations versus what helps advance the goal better? Good game, good time, good game. Yeah, but it's, but the goal is to destroy the other players. No. <gasps> It's cooperative. Oh, so you're destroying the boss. Right. Okay. You're working together to accomplish goals. Okay. Sorry, I should have... Yeah, it's a co-op game. Only co-op. Not interested. <laughs> it also, I believe, they just announced like a mission builder so like fans can create their own oh, that's goals cool. and objectives. Yeah. Um, because it comes with 20 or 12... No, 12. I think it was 12. Yeah. Like campaign or missions? Yeah, missions. Um, and they all come in like their own little manila folder looking thing. <laughs> you know, like you have to like break the seal on right. and pull them out because they're all secret before you uncover the one with the boss he's like perfectly sealed in like a, a box labeled top secret like you're not supposed to know that's coming yet it's good <laughs> yeah like um that. there's I, some boilers there's some cool stuff uh yeah um did you buy this game is this yours or no this so my friend? cousin brought it oh. but after i tried it i was like i should i should buy this game. <laughs> <laughs> i actually do More think lambs for the slaughter i actually do think after playing it and seeing how much is included in it its price tag of 75 dollars is outrageously low oh really it comes with so much stuff i think other board games maybe are cheating me now <laughs> well yeah of course of course have you seen the board game market yeah it's outrageous um uh, but yeah there's some stuff happening at riot though that might be a little weird yeah oh, fuck uh where's all this start so there is a write-up kotaku put a report out it was a while ago right that was like yeah. three four weeks ago yeah about how you know there's a really there's a culture of sexism and sexual harassment at riot um, and Riot PR has since been trying to, I guess, put out that fire and deal with it. Uh, talking to colleagues that used to work at Riot, it seems, uh, A, that's not very surprising that this culture exists, or B, they have been exposed to that culture, or they have been the victims of, of said culture. But also, I think Riot PR and Riot kind of management are like on opposite sides of the country or maybe in separate countries. I think Riot PR is located somewhere else. But so one of the tries they wanted to, one of the ways they wanted to relieve, alleviate this problem was they did a panel at PAX West about basically getting in the games or maybe like working at Riot uh, and part of their panel series, which I don't know if it was part of like the PAX West panels or they just did their own stuff off-site. Maybe they had like a Riot Days. Riot mm-hmm. Days. Um, because usually panels at PAX only last like an hour, hour and a half. So they it made it sound like they were booking a whole day. So they probably did it as some sort of external separate thing. But 
basically they they did this this series of like learning how to be a programmer and how to be an artist and how to do community management and they had one about cosplay you know cosplaying as a lead character and all this stuff and they had one block that was only uh for women and non-binary people um so it was exclusionary towards men because i get they they wanted to make a safe space for women and non-binary people to to learn more about riot and maybe address some of the issues that riot i'm not exactly sure um the and then so some riot fans got very upset about that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they uh to quote one of the pr people that works at or used to work at riot up until a couple days ago uh referring to them as man babies <laughs> um nice you know, they just they just got into fish like this is being sexist towards men. Meh, 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 meh. So after that whole all that stuff went down, you know, Riot tried to to make this safe space for women and non-binary people, and then people and then shitty league fans started reacting to it. These two employees and tell me if this sounds familiar. Two Riot employees uh, started publicly posting on social media about uh. how some fans of their company are shitty. And might be telling them what to do. And maybe they shouldn't be so shitty. Uh, and then two said employees lost their jobs under mysterious circumstances. Good Lord. Were suddenly without employment. Um, and one of them, I'm sorry, I don't have the names in front of me right now. But one of them said that uh, they, quote, broke riot social media policy. Mm-hmm. Probably in reference to calling shitty people on the internet man babies mm-hmm. so yeah welcome back guys is We're, there, uh, is there about a two, thread two. on reddit right now that's like we did it guys <laughs> <laughs> they're not working at my dad's restaurant either <laughs> oh my god i don't <sighs> it's shitty yeah. all right i i already don't like i mean i mean all right this Trying to separate <laughs> the game, you know. Let's let's talk about authorial intent. First of all, MOBA, <laughs> right? Like that's so like non-centric to to the the issue at hand. But it's just one of the biggest games in the known universe right now has a uh, very toxic workplace and a very toxic fandom. Mm-hmm. And hey, maybe doing a single panel about addressing your toxic workplace or trying to help the people that you've harmed in your toxic workplace isn't going to all of a sudden fix everything. Maybe you actually have to have actual procedures in place to protect your employees and not fire them when they call shitty people online what they are, which is (laughs) shitty people online. You know, if you're going to punish your employee for calling a spade a spade, then you're, you're a bad employer. I really don't have anything new to say about this. Please just go back and listen to the episode where we talked about ArenaNet because right. it's the same exact fucking thing. Yeah. It's just, it's it's stupid. It makes me love, until we get the expose on Epic, it makes me <laughs> love them even more because it seems like they are doing all the right things by, you know, treating their fans well, putting out, you know, doing the back pay stuff. You know, giving their their independent creators more of a cut of their revenue. Mm-hmm. Use the Unreal Engine Four, guys. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> or play Heroes of the Storm. 
Because as far as I know, Blizzard doesn't have any shitty practices. But who knows? Maybe in three weeks, we'll find out how much of a dickhole Mike Morheim is. Oh, and my God. I how not. terrible their, their studio <sighs> culture is. I would is. cry if Jeff, Ka- Jeff Kaplan turned out to be a jerk. He seems so pure in I, those videos. Don't meet your heroes, man. Yeah, I know. Felix said it best. I know. Very true. I have nothing new to say. Do you guys have anything to add to this topic? I, no, you, you basically uh, covered it, I think. The new thing is hopefully maybe we won't be talking about this next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe this podcast will only be about calling out shitty workplaces. <laughs> yeah, really. Maybe we'll just be talking about fucking... Let's talk about Elon Musk smoking a blunt on Joe Rogan. You want to talk about that? <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, my goodness. Can we, can we move on? <laughs> yes, let's move on. Can we let Elon Musk just sort of do his thing and, I don't know, he'll be weird and creepy somewhere else? Mars? Yeah. That'd be nice. What do you, what do you see? He wore a shirt. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It said, Occupy Mars. Nice. Is, is the shirt he wore on Joe Rogan. I'm not going to fault him for that. That's dude, a cool flame shirt. Flamethrower. <laughs> dude. Bro. Dude. dude. Zero to 60. Dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, following Branson Reese on Twitter has been, like, one of my favorite decisions of the past couple months. Branson Reese, who's that? Webcomic so. artist, general, super oh, oh, funny guy. Yes, made yeah. uh, the Sonic Mania stuff, right? No, that's Sonic? Tyson Hesse. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I I just pictured E S S E, or a bunch of E's and S's in the last name. I was like, this guy. Yeah. I'm, oh my god, I gotta find it real quick. All right. Well, while you're doing that, Will, what have you been playing? By which uh-huh. I mean, tell me about Enter the Gungeon and your opinions on it. Oh, Enter the Gungeon. It's Enter the Gungeon. Um, it's real cool. Yeah. I don't know, like, how much I'll get into it. You need to play it some more. Just like. I've played it for like maybe two hours. Okay, that's a that's a solid amount of time. That's that's more than I expect from a, a, a Will yeah. Wenton, which I mean is really like dozens of playthroughs. <laughs> yes, maybe especially if you don't get past the first room. Getting up to like hundred, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, there's a there's a there's a ticker on there. There's um, there's really cool guns. I'm yeah. really psyched every time I find a new gun because guns, re- guns are really good. There's usually it's it's usually like really fun or it does something really novel and funny or goofy <laughs> or favorite gun. Oh man, I don't know. Don't think too hard. Just like first gun you think of. Super Soaker. Super Soaker's good. Yeah, that's super, a good one. The problem is I never have an electric weapon to use with the Super Soaker. This is my big issue with the I Super Soaker. I can a- never get the Super Soaker before I find the fireplace. Oh right. Well, if you have like the Pox Cannon or the other T-shirt cannon, I don't know any of the meta. Too also, I think that's really hindering my enjoyment. Really, I yeah. didn't. I just played the game. Yeah. For like ever, and then later said, "Okay, what do I actually need? like?" I just started figuring out the elevator thing. I don't so, know about the elevator. So oh, like repair, like upgrading yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you can do is every time you go to a new floor, the shotgun shell elevator thing. Mm-hmm. It, hits the ground and when you walk out of it it, di- it disappears it keeps descending if you walk up and fall down that hole there's a guy down there like fixing it and he gives you a list of items to collect and when you return those to him you can then see him up top at the breach and he will send you to any floor you have unlocked oh dang so you can do it to like hey i need to farm you know black powder mine to get the second item for the gun that kills the past and so you can just go straight to the third That's floor cool. and just keep doing that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. See, I think I need to just like watch like maybe an equal amount of time of YouTube videos about <laughs> guns. Two hours of YouTube. 
Yeah, and then I'll probably be back into it. Yeah, the um, but I didn't start doing that until like forty hours in. Really? And I was like, wow, this would have made so many things so much easier. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of difficult because the first item he always asks because you have to give him an order. Mm-hmm. So the first item he always asks for is you get a unique item every time you kill a bo- kill a boss without taking any damage, and that item always gives you an extra heart. So he'll be like, I need that. And so you give that to him. And then like the next thing he needs is usually like, I need a couple blanks from you. So you have to have at least like three or four blanks on you. Cause you have to give him the exact amount or, or if you have more, obviously you have some left over right. and you have to give it to him at that point. And then like the next thing he'll ask. So like I was unlocking the third floor one and he was asking, I gave him the item, the unique item. I gave him the blanks. And then he asked for, okay, I need 180 shell casings and four keys and Whoa. I had to do that run several times because I'd be like, I have 180 casings and three keys? <laughs> or I have four keys and like 160 casings? And they're like, not enough. Can't take it. You have to give me both. Yeah. One thing I haven't worked out, is there uh, a correct amount of keys per gungeon? Per, per floor? Yeah, like to you- unlock everything. Everything's random. Right. But I mean, like, so like you can, like you can, you could generate a map, for instance, that has three lock chests and three keys in yes it. or you can unlock that one that has three lock chests and no keys right that sucks i don't like that or you I've can never, shoot the chests i never knew that you sh- we've been th- we've said it before yeah you were here and we talked guys. about it <laughs> god damn it will <laughs> this is when i'm doing my taxes <laughs> you shoot the chests and it, you get junk you get either junk or you get like half a heart uh, okay. or sometimes a key gotcha. or a blank or something but that junk could become Sir Junkin. So I unlocked the golden junk. Yeah. And it won't give me Sir Junkerton anymore. Do I have to get the golden junk every single time? Last run, I had four pieces of junk and it still wouldn't give me Sir Junkerton. I think it's just random. Okay. Well, then I've just been rolling the dice really bad. All this stuff's right. really cool, but it's just like... It's it's more fun for me to just like watch people play, I think. I don't know. I, like, I, if you're saying that like the randomness kind of kills the joy of the game... I can I can agree with you if the if not the base loop is so much fun yeah that well I think these kind of games and like I experienced this with Isaac too is like they survive on like the great runs that you have yes Mm -hmm. and I don't think I've had a great run I've had a few fun runs and then like a bunch of shitty runs and then a bunch of mediocre runs well it's interesting because I can consider the fun runs the great runs I think what advanced Dungeons and dragons did so well was it made the dice rolling more fun yes they added than the getting a you know a 12 (laughs) base gungeon is pretty tough and it's not it doesn't give you a lot of like leeway Uh uh-huh but in gungeons and in dragons i was getting chests left and right every time i would clear a room like every third room i clear i'd get a new chest that didn't have a lock on it and be like all right what's this puppy have and that's been less the case am i not playing that I'm playing on Switch. No, you are. Yeah, that's okay. a new one. But, but now that I've played more and more runs, I think my luck has run out with the extra chests. Uh-huh. So still, now I'm like, okay, now I'm back to base. Because I feel like I'm not sure. getting any... Like, there might be two it's uh, all chests luck. per level, maybe. It's all luck. It is random chance, but they just, just like boost the odds ever so slightly. Yeah. yeah. And then the synergies add a lot more. The syner- Yeah, because like... It was originally, you know, synergies were kind of a rare thing, and now it's like every other gun has a synergy with yeah. every other gun. Yeah. 
Well, again, it felt like I had a lot of synergies when I played immediately after the update, and now I feel like I'm getting less synergies. But again, that's probably just not playing enough. Well, it's just you know my it's just <laughs> mental bias. It's like oh, it's yeah. new. Oh, look at all this new stuff. And now like maybe some of the same stuff's happening, but I'm just I'm just noticing it less. Um, but I'll probably sink some more hours into it. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you like happens. it. Like, I mean, yeah. I think you appreciate I mean, the game for what it is. The craft of it is just like remarkable too. Yeah. Like. Well, it's interesting because, like, I feel with, like, this and I didn't play any of the Messenger, but looking at the Messenger mm-hmm. and seeing that's also a Devolver game, it's like, oh, like, Devolver, it'd be one thing if this is like, hey, this is a little iterative, like, you know, enter the Gungeon. Okay, it's a roguelike. Okay, top down, mm-hmm. all direction, sh- 360 shooting, level based, boss based. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but they add so much nuance to it that Devolver's like, oh, pick this up. The right. same thing with the messenger. So you'd look at the messengers like Ninja Gaiden. I got it. Right. But I think I again I haven't played it before. What I've heard like there's so much there's there's some depth to the messenger that makes it greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Uh, in the rogue like spectrum, I have also played Dead Cells after yeah. owning oh, yeah. it, after owning it for literally a year. <laughs> I went to install it and it said purchase date July 19th, 2018. Wow. I'm like, or 2017. And I was like, wow, I, yeah, I literally bought this game because someone told me to and then never installed it. Dang. So let's see, let's see what you got, Dead Cells. It's fine. It's, 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 I have a feeling that's good. another game that like I just need to know at least like, a book's worth of meta to really be able to like sink That's funny, my teeth into. Because I feel like I don't. At the very least, if, if a game feels good, I mean, and this is how I'm feeling about my prototype I'm working on right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like if the if, if the base stuff feels good, everything else is just gravy. Yeah, it's just it's just icing, gravy icing. It's just you know stuff you pile on top. Um, and Dead Cells feels really good. It's got a good yeah. roll. It's got a good attack. Um, it's just it. I, I don't know, having not played Dead Cells, I mean, uh, Dark Souls, I don't know if I agree with the Dark Souls comparisons to Dead Cells. Right. Uh, because d- Dead Cells, feel not <laughs> not Dark Souls, Dead Cells, Dead Cells feel so much more fluid than I assumed Dark Souls would be. Yeah. Because I can just dodge roll all the time. Mm-hmm. So you dodge roll, so it's a 2D, you know, um, side scroller, action platformer, mm-hmm. combat heavy. And to get past a lot of enemies, you just dodge roll past them. And it recognizes that. And so, like, some of the base enemies just, like, jump, you know, they long jump towards you. And then, they, and if you're in their range, they, they're going to hit you. And you have a health bar um, that's that's uh, continuous. It's not, like, I mean, it uses integers, but it's not, like, one bip of health, two bips of health. Right, it's right. like, you have 150 HP. Um. So you're using a lot of dodge rolls and like hitting and standing back up and swiping and then dodge rolling again. It's you know it's all positioning based, right? And it feels really good. Um, but again, it's one of those games. I swear to God, like I almost hit a critical mass of like if one more person tells me how great this game is, I'm going to hate this game. Oh yeah. Um, but fortunately, I started playing it before I got to that point. <laughs> like this is a pretty good game. Um, but I haven't. I again, I've played like maybe an hour, yeah. hour and a half of it. It feels good. Um, but I feel like my 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 roguelike gland has been so saturated with Gungeon this year that I just can't <laughs> take another one. Yeah, 
But I might, I might put six. I, I hear that the version on Switch is like still kind of. I hear it's framey. Yeah, yeah. I and heard. So I'm hoping they fix that and put it on sale. <laughs> That's what I'm. <laughs> That's <hearing>. an apology. <laughs> yeah. What was it twenty five? Twenty five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe I should just pick it back up for Switch. I don't know. I don't know. If it, I, I'm, I'm probably gonna hold off on playing it until that happens, or until i'll probably buy it on switch if i just hear they update it and it fixed all those issues sure we can we'll talk more dead sell it up then we'll talk more um i have been playing pretty much only switch lately yeah such as what else uh so like real quick i've been playing more mario because basically like julie and i would just hand off all the time and she had her save and i had mine Mm -hmm. and i just watched her beat it and i was like cool that was enough mario for me but then uh just recently i was just like you know what i wouldn't mind getting back into it a little bit and man i forgot how much i like that game it's a good ass game it's a real Mm -hmm. good ass one might say one of the best games played in 2017 yeah (laughs) and if not for the disqualification 2018 yeah but uh (laughs) But yeah, it's don't so get greedy, good. Will. <laughs> um, you know, like I'm doing like the challenging stuff. I'm working on my moons. I'm working on those races, and like before, yeah, stomp those Koopas into the dirt. Yeah, I didn't really sink too much time into like learning the more in depth jumping mechanic stuff. Because I mean, the game's serviceable enough if you just know how to run and jump. Yeah, like you can get through the game running and jumping, but like that toolkit is pretty dang cool mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I've been really enjoying that but then also while I was on vacation you know I brought the switch with me and mm-hmm. I was like I'm gonna treat myself and treat so yourself like, maybe I'll grab a jackbox you know because this is like a party thing you know we got other people here one might call the switch a party pack super fun to play with people um, so I got online and I was looking at that and I was like but maybe I'll get dead cells because I've been really wanting to play that and then I saw that Kiro Blaster from Pixel, Daisuke Amaya, uh, creator of Cave Story for those who who had no idea who this is. And sorry, <laughs> the man, <laughs> man's name is Pixel? It's really weird that you're not familiar with Indie Game Jesus, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like to be fair, like every podcast, you're just like, yeah, so-and-so, community director of such-and-such, and like so-and-so, dire- developers of this niche video. Like, really like, I'm game. sorry. I'm familiar with good developers. <laughs> wow. Uh, and so, yeah, Jesus. this is basically like, yeah, the savior of indie games. Um, I watched Indie Game the movie. I thought Tommy <laughs> Rafinis was the savior of it. Uh, wow. <laughs> Excuse me. I thought it was Jonathan Blow. So anyway, uh, Jonathan blows like dark pixel, <laughs> nega pixel. <laughs> yeah. Does does pixel have like really long shaggy hair? Because then then I'll buy I'll buy this goof. No, like honestly, I feel like they kind of like he he's Japanese. He looks a little bit like Jonathan Blow. Really, kind of got the same cute little face. You know, the little pixel's super wholesome. Okay, and and blows. <laughs> oh okay yeah. <laughs> blows what <laughs> yeah but uh With the so last name like blow you just gotta he gotta tread carefully i bought kira blaster on probably like steam or something a while ago and i just never played it and that's a sin if you're me so <laughs> i saw it and i was just like i gotta do it and i like 
noticed that it didn't release until after vacation, and I was still like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so the pre-order trigger. Yeah, pre-ordered it. Yep. Wow. Yep. First game I've pre-ordered in probably... I don't know, a long time. Did like a GameStop employee break <laughs> yeah. down your door? He's like, <laughs> can I interest you in Game Informer subscriptions? <laughs> Do you want insurance for your digital game? I'm just still waiting on it for it to come to 3DS. Because mm. I've got my, my, my Dice Kamea collection on there. Because I've got both Cave Story and Ikachan. Oh, I didn't know Ikachan was on. Is it on the eShop or something? Yeah. I'm going to have to grab that. Where else would it be? There's no like... Or third no. party. No, there's I, a physical I, release I for Cave Story. 3DS, on the yeah. Switch and 3DS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought he was implying like, but what's the itch for Isha? Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um I've been playing Kira Blaster lately and it's super good. It looks like if you were to see screenshots of it, your first thought would be like janky. <laughs> and like it's it was like developed as a mobile game and it the graphics are like super cute, but do look like maybe not top tier indie pixel art you know not pixel quality right yeah exactly (laughs) but it's so charming and it's so cute and it's just so fun to play the bosses are so excellent and it's just like kind of revitalizing my love for oh this game isn't like some crazy roguelike thing with you know lighting and crazy stuff it's just like a oh dude this does look indie game Oh man, man, this is some like Atari bootleg. Yeah, like the main character game. is facing forward. It doesn't even have a three quarters view for that sexy run cycle. It's just so goofy. Zhang Yu. Is that one of the characters' names? I don't know. It's just like part of the UI. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it's it's really it's something. It's fun. So it's a third person. 2D 2D platformer shooter yeah shooter you what kind of shooting are we talking grades uh, like Mega Man shooting you got like a basic like sort of machine gun you've got like a a wave which is just like a machine gun but with a tall pattern yeah tall thing a tall thing Uh, so Contra-esque sort of yeah yeah I'd say so got a sine wave applied to it it's got lots of cute stuff and it's got fun uh, it's got some like fun little puzzly parts and okay. not so puzzly and more action and okay sounds cool it's cute. on switch yeah okay i might have seen the info box for it oh and the soundtrack is just super fantastic like i would imagine for i him, think that yeah. for me it's it's a little bit more catchy than cave story so really yeah okay. saying something you thought I was a heretic. <laughs> Look at you. I know. Look at you. <laughs> Calling the Cave Story soundtrack anything less than perfection. No, I feel like if you say like the Bastion soundtrack is anything less than perfection, which I would say. Yeah, I hate that soundtrack. I feel like you just immediately just get burned at the stake. Yeah. I like it. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's a good soundtrack. But it's no Fez soundtrack. It's true. That's mm. all I'm saying. Dang, you right. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, no, I am. Doesn't about it. Doesn't have a gungeon rap though, so I'm well, gonna have I mean, to nix it. The second you <laughs> add lyrics to a song, will yeah, it just immediately gets ten times better. Right. So thank you. Listen to the Outlaw Mayor song. Or <laughs> play it again at the outro. <laughs> uh, but I think that's time. Well, I got one more thing. Okay. I thought we could touch. On. Oh wow. Cool. 
Is that it? <laughs> a secret one. Is uh, that thing in your hand it? Uh, possibly. What the f- What the fuck is that? <laughs> you brought that into my home? You brought that piece of shit into my home? <laughs> what do you mean? You brought that garbage device. Wait. I'm sorry. Is there something wrong? I hate the Game Boy Micro. Really? It's so dumb. It's not dumb. It's beautiful. It's cute. I would never play a video game on that. I love it. I love that it fits in my little coin pocket. I love that I just can like <laughs> pull it out <laughs> on lunch breaks and it just like it, it, it can be taken. What are you playing? You better not be playing anything with dialogue on it. Turn so, that thing on. Let's see the screen quality on that. Oh my God. The thing is so bright. Oh my God. <laughs> Greatest gaming generation. Oh man. This is a good one. So uh, I wanted to bring this up because I thought it might tie well into uh, Nintendo taking down a lot of rom sites. yes okay uh so what i did recently was i've had this device for a little while can i, I see it being really excited about this super cool anniversary edition game boy micro that's you know got the famicom colors and everything like that um so i've had it tucked away and uh what i recently did was uh buy for it a flash cart oh snap uh, so that is, uh, the brand is Easy Flash. It is one of their more recent ones called the Omega. Uh, it's pretty solid. I had a, um, another one for a little while that I hardly ever use because it broke almost immediately. Um, that's the volume. Okay. Yeah, I was turning it down. All right. Uh, Complacent 1942, boys. <laughs> and uh, so what that flash card can do is play NES titles, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance, of course. Um, and I've just been sort of revisiting oh. a lot of my favorites from the Game Boy Advance era and a lot of that I, and, and some that I haven't played. Um, so I guess my two biggest ones that I've been like swapping back and forth between right now is, um, I got Mother 3. I applied the really famous fan translation to it, which mm-hmm. is a really high quality fan translation mm-hmm. by all accounts. And it, and it feels like it. It's, it's. So much of the charm of the original dialogue plays through really well. Um, and uh, wait, hold up for a second. I'm gonna play some some 1942 music. <laughs> you can hold it oh, yeah. for like two seconds, and it'll. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan's trying to figure this out. Is this your jam? This was my uh, uh, ringtone for a little bit. Was it really? Yeah, and I was like, this is way too much. <laughs> I died. Oh, I see. So uh, I was like, this is a good ringtone, and then it went off like twice. I'm like, this is a really bad ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, where was I going? Mother um, 3. Yeah, so it's been Mother 3 and uh, The Herbs, Sims in the City. <laughs> which, <laughs> Why? <laughs> what, the Herbs? So I I had it on my Game Boy Advance as a kid, and I remember loving the shit out of that game. I really love how this like really <laughs> solidifies like how Alex and I's tastes are both like very similar and yet also very different. <laughs> like, Mother 3, what a seminal game. Yeah. And yeah. then like, The Herbs. <laughs> 
It's it's a solid game. I'm revisiting it, and I'm, I and don't I'm still believe enjoying you. it. Okay, you're welcome to not believe I me. I distrust you. I mean, it's just Sims, but with a story to it. It's like, Sims, but punk. And and yeah, I mean, it's definitely like early aughts, like you know, super cool street yeah. kids. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. And like one of the Fuba. first things that you do. Fuba, you ba, ba. Says fuck you, asshole, in Simlish. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first things you do. In the in the herbs, is you take a personality quiz, and I think the very first question is like assigns you a rep group. So it's Bloods, Crips, Latin Kings. <laughs> uh, you and, got in in uh, and uh, furry. you got the Streeties. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> what the Streeties? The Streeties. The Streeties. Uh, okay. The Richies, the Artsies, and the Nerdies. You can imagine which one I went into. The streetsies. Definitely. <laughs> I'm very street. Um, <laughs> so you apparent and there's and there's like a rock, paper, scissors thing where you have better time conversing with people in your rep group and with the rep group adjacent, which I think for nerdies is artsies. But then like talking to streeties or richies is harder. Um, and I think it just affects like because the, the, the conversation minigame is like uh there's three options at all times and one of them is usually good but it can also be completely random and sometimes like you just have to pick the one that it, like will affect them neutrally like won't make them hate you mm-hmm. and you just have to keep selecting the right option to make their uh, impression of you get better so that's that's one mechanical aspect to it is like you're supposed to make friends and and get to know everybody in the city uh the other aspect is just like they all they hand you quests um, which involve like playing different mini games and uh, say like raising funds for like you know we want to build a new basketball court, something like that. And uh, overall, the plot is uh, some really big, fat, rich guy is trying to buy up all of the city, mm-hmm. every single property in the city, and so turn to kill him the entire city into a theme park. Uh, if Why I, did I knew it was gonna be like a theme park or a casino? Because it's a game for kids, Dylan. What else is it going to be? All I have to say is... Stealing their pets. You have fucking Golden Sun 1 and 2 on here, and you elected to play the herbs (laughs) (laughs) over that, and also uh, Advance Wars 1 and 2. Yes. Nostalgia is a hell of a drag. Uh, If I recall... The game ends with you like shooting him out of a cannon and he lands on an island that's inhabited with nothing but like wombats or something. And King K. Rule. <laughs> have you seen Tekken Concrete? Uh, I keep wanting to. It's like been on my anime want to watch list for a while. It's like the same plot. What? Okay. What? It's the exact same plot. A- anime so want what? to what? watch list. What? Anime, what? Dylan. What? It's the it's Japanese so, so animation so what? cartoons. What? They're good. Huh? <laughs> Macademy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you got me thinking about Adventure Time again. Um, all right. Uh, so, R.I.P. Yeah, really. End of an era there. Um, yeah, I I really like the herbs. It's got a pretty great soundtrack. Uh, the characters are all fun. It's really cute, and I mean, it's just kind of neat to sort of see yourself grow up because you also have the Sims aspect of like buying a house and filling it with stuff. So like that's the sub goal in the game. Is you know spending money on new things to fill out your your cool pad and sure. buying bigger pads to fill with your cool stuff. Yeah, it's a neat game. I like it a lot. Is it the same like perspective? It's like a like a, one of those isometric 
mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Okay. Um. So like it's it's not fully 3D. Sure. But it's kind of like a pseudo What's 3D. A that GBA. They, yeah. That they're able to do. How does the sprite work? Not bad. It looks like they took 3D models and you know made sprite sheets them. out of yeah. them. Yeah. Um. Just like my favorite game, uh, Bionicle. Journey of the Matoran. <laughs> Man, that's a solid <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, and then Mother 3 is... I haven't gotten very far into it, yeah. so I, my impressions are a little limited, but so far, just as incredible as everyone has said. But you can't do the rhythm game combos, right? What? All right. So, in Mother 3, whenever you're in combat and you attack, uh, you can hit, I believe, the A button, B button, I'm not sure. And if you attack in rhythm with the music it'll build a combo oh dang and apparently that's like the only way to beat some of the bosses or like you using that to beat the bosses is way easier than the alternative method which is to grind for infinity and level your dudes way up okay the problem is in the emulated version the cpu clock is just off enough from the internal clock of whatever system you're playing it on, that it's extremely difficult to time the rhythm components properly. Okay. But that's the, the CPU clock on that is... Right, I'm wondering if I won't be affected because yeah. I'm playing it on a Game I, Boy Advance. Well, I feel like it's like a lag between the emulator running, even if it's running well, it's on it's not emulating. This. I mean, it's not emulating. It's emulating on... It's just... It's the same hardware as a Game Boy Advance. Hmm. But yeah, what about your version then, Will? Would your version that should probably that would probably work on that? Think so. Yeah. Hmm. But if that's the case, then wouldn't it work on my Game Boy Player? Yeah, probably. Because it's the same. Maybe. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know. I had a difficult time doing it when in like the early battles, but okay. I'm, I should look. That into might that. be a issue with like were you playing it on HDMI? Yeah. That might be like a oh yeah HDMI a lag, lag between thing. the hardware and the. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, but I was using... Well, I guess I wasn't. Well, maybe I'll try it again with my HDMI converter that I have for the GameCube. Maybe that'll lower the latency. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Or I'll just play it on... <laughs> yeah, my Game Boy Advance SP, so... There you go. Uh, superior console. I I actually... Your chocolate bar here. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of... I, I was look, on in, your side when that came out, but seeing that now... Look, industrial design, great. Awesome. Looks beautiful. Nice, form-fitting. I would not want to play an RPG on this. I think the condensed screen size make the pixels look a lot tighter, yeah. and I think the screen looks a lot prettier than most others. Like, on an, on an SP, SP's beautiful. I love the SP. That was my first Game Boy Shut Advance. Shut your goddamn mouth. Um, but I mean, <laughs> you say anything bad about the SP. It's really blown out. Sure. I mean, yeah, you have sure. to admit that. It's a huge screen. Sure. Well, relatively. I've um, been emulating a lot of games. <gasps> we're all showing our part. Fuck you, Nintendo, taking down <laughs> Emu Paradise. Yeah, it's others. been harder. Yeah. Well, I've been playtesting games because I'm working on this prototype, and I'm like, ah, what's the Mario jump feel like again? And then I go boot up Super Mario mm. Brothers, and mm. I just hit jump over and over and over again. It's like, okay, wait, does it have any aftertouch when you jump up, and can you move around? Okay. All right, what happens when I run and jump? Okay. And there's just so much nuance to that jump. Yeah. You don't think about. It's just so intuitive when you play it. And then you're just like, all right, I got to break it down. And then I code all that in, and I'm like, hey, now I know why the Celeste player class was 5,000 lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because you need like every single edge case in Oblivion 
and Bethesda is a blue and in the world <laughs> there's a lot of edge cases in that game oh and, I bet and they sure didn't cover them all mm-hmm. um, but it just it now makes sense and yeah. Then, yeah and when you want multiple you know forms of character controls uh, it's over boy yeah uh, you can hold on to it for just a sec I'm gonna throw it to you oh jeez no <laughs> god it's a collector's piece catch it <laughs> you can replace this faceplate uh, Wait, not this, easily is this the original did you buy this is this all one piece because uh, the back's matching the front. Yeah, it's all one piece. Oh. That that faceplate is not easily replaceable. I, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> most of like the retro ones are. Uh, I tried looking up online if like there are listings on eBay for like a Famicom faceplate, and all you can find are ones because like when that released in Japan, uh, apparently Club Nintendo did a thing for like a thousand points. You could get a because uh, the Famicom Player Two controller looks slightly different. I'm sorry. What's it? How's it pronounced? Famicom. How's it pronounced? Will. Famicom? No, god damn you. It's That's Famicom. Famicom. <laughs> no one says Famicom. That's Famicom. a Japanese word. Do you really say Famicom, Will? Yeah. It's pronounced Famicom. Famicom. Well, maybe I'm insane then. <laughs> no, I've probably said Famicom before. So, uh, yeah, they... Welcome to Virginia. <laughs> we have a Super Famicom. You can play that Mario game on the Super Famicom. I love Mario. Uh... Yeah, so apparently Club, when it released, Club Nintendo released a Player 2 controller faceplate with Player 2 controller details on it. That's the only thing I can find on eBay, and they're like $300. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because you can't get them anymore, and they're hella rare. So Hella rare. Oh, we needed to get Moment on the Horn since he's in Japan, or Sam, and be like, hey, buy us a Famicom <laughs> Classic. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Or a actually, Super Famicom Classic. Yeah. No, I'm into this. <laughs> call him up call him up i'll i'll so do it how, how much was that uh i bought that uh three years ago four years ago for like five thousand dollars seventy dollars that's not bad yeah not too bad it's not bad it was it was sort of a chance listing on amazon back in my super like feverish game collector days because mm-hmm. i'm not quite that bad anymore um, mm-hmm. but you know, regularly <laughs> every week or so, dollars for a board game. <laughs> <laughs> Will opens his wallet and Mark flies out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just sort of like checking Amazon and eBay every sure. every other week or so for like various things that I kind of mm-hmm. had on my my holy grail list, and finding that for seventy dollars was was kind of insane at the time. How much was the uh, flash cart? Uh, the flash cart was sixty, and I bought that last month. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I would prefer to play emulated games on something like that as opposed to on my computer. Right. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I feel too. Or and at least get like an 8-bit dough controller. Reading about the ease of use of it and it's like fairly recent so it's got some good hardware updates. It shouldn't break on me like my old one did. I was pretty excited to try it out again. Um, the old one also had like a separate program you had to download. You had to like compress each. What? ROM through this program so before this, you could you just, add it to the yeah this one's just like a micro SD card and you just drop the ROMs drop ROMs on it you have an image it in. directory in there uh, so what's it came for? with that okay what's on there every image apparently of the games okay so go into the Game Boy like Advance folder and pictures or something go into the Game Boy Advance folder and press oh, yeah. se- press select oh okay yeah gba yeah it came with that i read that that was a feature i'm like oh that's neat oh okay yeah it it just gives you like a thumbnail for every game it had shown those beforehand okay so i didn't so but that's where it's referencing the images right yeah 
And it's also came with a cheats folder, which I assume is packed with cheats, but I've never used it. They're bitmap images. Oh, BMP? Yeah. Yeah. You guys sound so... uh, I don't know what that means. I, I, I threw that to Will, hopefully, hoping I would get a, a reaction that I could interpret well. <laughs> I'm going to wait for the update for the uh, 16-bit PNG. Okay. Not, yeah. not the Pixar images? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going through the cheats directory. Okay. I have no idea how it works. Dot I CHT. Tried. I haven't even tried to use the cheats. Dot chit. They're in English and also Chinese. Oh. That makes sense. Patches. Game and Watch Gallery Four. Yeah, I think that's the one I owned. I have I have some Game and Watch Galleries. I have um, I bought some Japanese games. Not bought, downloaded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stole. <laughs> um, Through let's just say less than legal means. <laughs> you're right. Uh, was it uh, Legendary Starfy? I've heard is like one that a lot of people in the West wish we got. So I try. I'm trying that one. Okay. Um, any uh, any gimmick? Mr. Gimmick? Or just Gimmick? Yeah, it's in the NES Any folder. Bonk? I don't know about Bonk. How about Man, I was in. watching Gimmick just on YouTube the other day. What a gem. You God. you have a, you have an addiction I really to that do. game, Gimmick's sir. Gimmick's really good, though. I mean, I mean, have you seen a Gimmick speedrun? Yes. Now, that's some shit. They're yeah. great. He just rides that star off into nowhere. My, I, I love how much my brother loves that game. Because he will go on about like all the little nuances of gimmick and how like advanced for its time it was. It's incredible. Yeah. I think it's time to break out that Martin Screlly <laughs> uh, gimmick tribute game. Oh my will. goodness! I was I was really feeling that. I'm telling you, it needs to be like a two pack. It's that that's on one side, uh-huh. and on the other side is Twump Tower. The, yes, the the twenty teens villain pack yeah 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 that'd be great (laughs) the wu-tang clan arch nemesis (laughs) double feature i like the idea of like you playing as the wu-tang clan in the in the martin screlly game trying to get your album back (laughs) break it's a heist game you have to break into his yeah i'm into that is that is there no there's gotta be a wu-tang clan game Right? I'm pretty oh, sure they're absolutely certain. There's a 50 cent one. There's a there's a Snoop Dogg one. There's this Kanye a... Quest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll I'll do some research and report back. <laughs> but I think that about does it, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you guys. Good for to returning. have you back. I'm so happy to, to the be back. E- East Coast to the to the West. The Weast Coast. Coast. The Beast Coast. The Beast Coast. The Beast Coast. Um, (laughs) Seattle, they can keep their cool weather and their monorail trains (laughs) and their their Amazon. God, it sounds so nice right now. It was the monorail trains and the cool weather. The 65 degrees is so nice. It's really pretty, too, going from the airport. You just get on the light rail and it takes you straight into the city. It's It's a nice view. Uh, train engineers kept jumping off of our train. Not lit. Well, wait, they, what? They would have the train <laughs> stop not at a platform, and they would just jump out into the track and then run across the track, and there'd be like a, a footbridge. Huh. They'd walk into that. Okay. And I was like, huh. I was driving across the Nickel Bridge a couple weeks ago, and there are guys just like walking along the edge outside the railing. And they all just had like bungee cords and stuff attached to them because it's just a ravine basically below. It's a river. I'm like, huh. 
Could have just used the bike trail. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're all back, back together. Um, <laughs> next episode features Train Jam Zone, Adriel Wallach. Nice. Woo! Talking about Train Jam and a bunch of other stuff. Obviously, her uh, continuing Destiny 2 affliction. <laughs> Especially now that Forsaken's out. And we'll get to talk about that yeah. next time. I played a little bit of it, but I need to I need to sink my teeth into it more. I find it just just in one sentence, the world's most okayest game <laughs> that's still somehow <laughs> keeping me hooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're just we're gonna just gonna keep keep rolling into to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We got uh mm. best games played. We're gonna record that relatively early this year. I think we're settling on the twentieth. Of October, so. uh, to avoid holidays and birthdays and anniversaries, come they all come at once. Oh yeah, but we'll uh, record that around then, but it won't go up until the end of the year. And then yeah, let's just just be us, us pals, and more guests. Until then, but until next time, Will. Oh, what's up? Where can people find you on the internet at x zero one zero one zero one 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 at twitter dot com. At twitter.com slash Alex Jones from a band. <laughs> At, I saw one that yes. said, finally, we've achieved info peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, Alex, where can we find you? At G-H-O-D-A-N underscore. Underscore. On Twitter.com. You see, you only should restrict your Twitter handle to just one underscore. Right, Christina? Not three underscores. <laughs> <laughs> just one underscore. I went to an art panel that Anya was hosting, and uh, Christina was on it. Okay. And they had everyone's Twitter handles up there, but uh, Nick, one of the other panelists, had just opened up Photoshop and just writ- wrote all of their Twitter handles in there. So he just wrote a huge underline, and then Ness. <laughs> For Christina's Twitter handle. And then he had to circle the underline, point an arrow towards it, and said, three underscores. <laughs> <laughs> I like her handle, honestly. It is like it's an, something ness. <laughs> something ness. Um, and if you like this podcast, and we'll listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at wordhavengames.com forward slash podcast. Uh, there's a direct link on the site now to take you to iTunes, Google Play, and our RSS feed, so you can just subscribe directly from the site. Wow. Um, thank you, everyone, who listened to our Hidden Gems of PAX West panel. We really enjoyed doing it. Um, but if you really enjoyed any of our episodes, please give us a review on iTunes. It helps us surface to other people. We're getting a lot of uh, awesome listeners from both Waypoint and Spawn on Me. Mm-hmm, uh, nice. Those are two now the the recommended podcasts in our feed which <laughs> feels pretty good really enjoyed having both austin and khalif on the show very psyched about that but yeah until next time guys see ya adios bye <laughs> <laughs>